everybody, and welcome to the Energetic Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa LaFera, an astrologer, tarot consultant, all-around creative from sunny San Diego, California. And this is the 128th episode of the podcast, airing January 31st, 2022. Now, I'm delighted to bring to you this special edition of the podcast where I have many people join me at the same time in a little nodal panel party where we talk about the Taurus and Scorpio nodes because that is big in the sky. We just had the ingress back in mid-January, and this is uh, a key part of the astrology coming up for 2022 and 2023. And so Christina Caudill, Shireen Vishmaya, and Georgia Tak joined me in all of our astro forces to talk about this super defining transit. I mean, you know, you think of nodes, we think of eclipses, we think Uranus, Saturn square, which is a big part of the nodal action now that Taurus and Scorpio uh, are highlighted. So we ruminate all about uh, first the Taurus-Scorpio sign axis uh, and how the nodal energies will then be influenced by this Venus and Mars territory. And being a Scorpio and Taurus heavy bunch, you know, all, all of us have really significant placements in this sign axis. We share our own personal natal insights regarding uh, these signs and the key manifestations that, you know, at this point in time, we've noticed that they bring to the surface because when you live with it, you really pick up on the themes. Uh, We also look at the past Taurus Scorpio nodal periods, and we even dissect Mark Zuckerberg's chart uh, in the relation to the eclipses, because he's bound to be a key player caught up in the Taurus Scorpio mix. Now, there will also be a YouTube version of this broadcast if you'd like to see his chart when we get to it. Uh, It wasn't too chart heavy. It was mostly just watching us gab. So if you want to see us real time, you can go check out that video version, uh, which I'll have a link to in this description below. Now, if you would like to support this program, feel free to leave a tip if you'd like in my tip jar, or you can book a personal consultation with me over at energeticprinciples.com. And I just redid the website, which you might've heard in my last episode where I talk about how it went down. Well, it is definitely up and running uh, and I love the way it looks. So come on over and visit me there. Uh, And also if you haven't signed up for my monthly transit newsletter, The Heavenly Wind, you can do so on the front page of the website and that uh, the new edition, February, gosh, where did the first month go? Well, February comes out, uh, I think the day that this releases. So come on over, sign up and you'll get it in your inbox. Now, a couple of quick announcements before we get started here. I do have to say that Stormy Grace is back at it again, and she is raising money for round two of her YouTube Academy. Um, And I don't know if you remember last year, but I provided a workshop uh, on rulership in the chart along with dozens and dozens of other top-name astrologers that provided valuable educational contributions to Stormy's vision of free learning. And so through February 9th, we're trying to raise money once again on Kickstarter to not only uh, fund year two, but we're trying to keep year one up on YouTube. So if you are able to contribute and to help fund this thing, uh, because we are going to have so much new content to share, you can 
can pledge money or find out more through the link in the description of this podcast. And just a quick heads up that if you pledge over $25, you'll receive my digital Tarot Meets Astros seasonal preparation and reflection PDF. Uh, That is a journal that comes along as a bonus gift for pledges. Now, just another quick note uh, that my dear friend Spencer Michaud is about to do his uh, Decans of Aquarius season. So if you've been following the podcast, you know that each month he has been doing a Decans webinar and we have made it to Aquarius because it is Aquarius season. And that is going to happen Saturday, February 12th at 1 p.m. Eastern time. And it's a two and a half hour webinar that will tell you all things Aquarius, uh, and not just Aquarius as a whole, but it's defined by the Deccan. So it breaks up into Aquarius 1, Aquarius 2, and Aquarius 3. And he really gets in there. I mean, esoteric meanings, the diamonds, the tarot uh, correspondences, fixed stars. You know, he really paints a picture for the signs themselves. So definitely go check that out. Uh, And you can get 20% off with my special code EP20 where you can get 20% off the actual webinar itself, or if you want to do the bundle where you get all three of the winter series together. So once again, where can you find that? Well, that is in the description of this podcast. All right, that was a mouthful. Thanks for staying with me. So who is ready to hear all about the Taurus and Scorpio nodes in our nodal panel? Here we go. Now let's meet our guests. All right. I'm so happy to welcome a whole panel to the podcast this uh, morning, afternoon, evening. We are doing the seemingly impossible here today by joining the West Coast with the East Coast in North America with... Uh, United Kingdom and India. I have quite to the panel with me and we are, you know, we are just defying time and time zones today. So I want to welcome Christina Caudill, Shireen Vishmaya, and Georgia Takax to the program today in a nodes panel. We're going to talk all about Taurus and Scorpio, the nodal access that is upon us, uh, and we're already feeling it, um, and it's going to be a lot to talk about. So we are little under a time crunch here today, just because of time um, zone considerations. So I'm going to lead in with a straight to the point. Let's hear from these ladies first, who they are, what they do. Um, and then we're going to get into the conversation. So Shireen, will you start us off uh, telling us a little bit about yourself? Sure. I'm in, just like the nodes, I'm in the transitional phase. So that's always an interesting question, but I'll tell you who I was. I don't know how I'm going to be, but I'll tell you where I'm coming from. <laughs> Pre, pre-nodal shift um, over all my planets um, and my ascendant. I'm just coming off the, the south node going over my ascendant. So yeah, I mean, I spent the last 20 plus years of my life as an astrologer, a union analyst living between New York City and San Francisco and making yearly pilgrimages to India, teaching retreats all over the world, all kinds of fun stuff. And then, you know, basically the pandemic hit and then I just stayed in India. My yearly pilgrimage turned into my home, which was kind of my, was kind of my dream anyway. So it's become more my home base now, which is wonderful. Actually, it's kind of a funny, um, super Vedic astrology superstition. I was told by my Vedic astrology mentor, he said, don't call India your home because I have Rahu or the North Node in my fourth house. And 
it loves foreign places. So if I say this is my home, it'll be taken away from me. So I have to say it's my home away from home. <laughs> uh, interesting. <And> That's <laughs> home away from home. My ideal home away from home uh, in transition. And so, yeah, and I'm, I'm moving, which actually this is a great lead into the discussion about the nodes. I feel like this transition I'm making is more into Torian kinds of pursuits. Like I've always had this passion for authentic movement and embodiment and somatic work. And I feel I'm shifting my focus and my priorities to make that where I put more of my time and energy going forward, that I actually have the time to work on that. You know, and with Gemini and Sag, I think we were still under that illusion that we could do everything. You know, we could do all the things. And now I'm realizing with Taurus and Scorpio, like I want to go deep and I want to focus on the things that I really want to focus on right now, which means sacrificing some things. So, so anyway, that's my, my transitional. Oh man, I feel, I feel that I feel everything you just <laughs> just said, and I'm looking forward to that aspect of Taurus and Scorpio because I mean, you think about it as uh, rooting down, going deep. It's not the surface level so much of uh, Mercurial and Jupiterian worlds of Gemini and Sagittarius. So um, I like that you bring that up, especially embodying it, because embodying things in life takes time, right? You know, you just don't become it; you have to practice it. Um, <laughs> so I love that. Well, welcome uh, to the program from India there. Now, how about you, Georgia, over there in uh, London area, right? Uh, yes, yes, nearish London. I mean, for those that aren't in England, I'm actually, well, I'm in Essex, for those that are, that do know England. But yes, just sort of a stone's throw from London relatively. But um, yeah, I'm I'm here in England, which is where I'm from, as you can hear by my accent. I often stick out in these spaces. <laughs> um <laughs> especially because most of my friends in the astrology community are US side actually. So, um, but yeah, I'm Georgia Takax. I'm an evolutionary astrologer currently based in England. Um, and with my practice, sacred astrology, I offer one-to-one astrology consultations and I offer them and everything that I do actually, um, in the gift which is a new and ancient economic model for which I'm a passionate, passionate advocate. You cannot shut me up about it, as I know Christina, my dear friend, and Melissa, I've worked with you both before, and Shireen as well, actually. So um, it's wonderful to be in familiar space with you all um, today. And yeah, I'm also an ever-growing sacred activist, Um, And my work is primarily influenced by the indigenous peoples that I have traveled to, lived with, worked with and learned from, um, including my own indigenous relatives of the Shklatliam Nation in Canada. I'm also massively influenced by the work of Charles Eisenstein and emerging Um, the emerging deep adaptation conversation and community. Um, I'm really, really passionate. And this is why I'm so extra, you know, excited about, intrigued by, and really can't wait for what's going to unfold in the next year and a half with this Taurus Scorpio um, transit of the nodes. Um, This sort of this, that we are absolutely in the midst of a huge evolutionary leap of humanity and how we are really shifting from an old story into a new story, to use the language of Charles Eisenstein, um, and that we are in this space between stories. And, you know, we, it's, it's really fascinating me what that deepening and that integration and that actual practicing living and breathing our values and our practices is going to look like in the next year and a half. I think things are about to get real. Um, 
and that's yeah so I'm very excited to talk with this to, about this with you guys today yeah that's me yeah <laughs> a little bit of me <laughs> we're excited to have you Georgia and for um I can't wait to hear what you have to say and share more of the gift with us too because I know you're all about the gift economy which is um seemingly it feels very Torian to me <laughs> as well so uh and last but certainly not least one of my dear friends Christina Coddill who just happens to have uh, a Scorpio Taurus nodal access so you're the perfect jo- to yeah. join us here today so Christina take the floor. Thank you. I'm Christina Codill, a regular guest on the Energetic Principles <laughs> podcast. I think that's my second yes. job. <laughs> and um, I'm with Radiant Astrology. I have my own podcast, but it's been kind of on a hiatus, not really intentionally, but um, it just kind of worked out that way. And, and thank you, Shireen, for pointing out that the recent nodes, because I have Mars in Gemini in the sixth, I was also scrambling trying to do all the things and some things fell through the cracks. And one of them was my own podcast, which I'm kind of also in a transition. And as you said, you know, my natal nodes, I have South Node in Scorpio, North Node in Taurus. Um, but the last time that I had this inverse nodal return, you know, like 19 years ago when the North Node moved into um, Taurus and the South Node in Scorpio, um, that was a major like life-changing shift for me. And in many, mostly in good ways that I can remember or that I can recall, but, you know, I'm kind of open to the possibility of realignment because to me, the nodes are really that about realigning. Um, because as we know, the, the nodes are not actually bodies, they're points in space, right? That um, really help us to see how, you know, the, the path of the moon um, intersects with the apparent path of the sun, the ecliptic around the, the earth. And so something about these points just create some major shifts that we may call fate or destiny um, or just some kind of irreversible unfolding of whether it's past karma, future evolution. Um, But the reality is even when we step back from all of these key words that we love to use to understand it, we know that something is coming, especially those of us with fixed signs, which all of us, I think, have plenty of Scorpio and Taurus, <laughs> and I think there's some Leos in here, and um, Aquarius. So um, it feels like this is our time to step up, right? <laughs> I mean, those, all the those with um, that were really affected by the nodes and the eclipses and the um, mutable signs. It's almost like, okay, you guys, you had your chance. Now we're up. You know, and um, I'm actually <laughs> really, gladly give the floor, I'm sure. Right. <laughs> Whereas we may be tentatively stepping into it. But as we've said, I'm, I love um, Melissa that um, we decided to do this talk just after or, you know, give us like, you know, a little time after the nodal shift actually happened. So that rather than just guessing like what's going to happen, I mean, of course, there's there's some of that pr- future projecting. But we've already, we've had a chance to see. I always feel like when the nodes first shift, and I tend to use the true nodes, that, you know, within that first, you know, week or two, pay attention to what are these archetypal symbols that are showing us in the collective. And that, um, for me, sort of points to opportunities for collective evolution, for our personal um, transformational growth, especially with, you know, Taurus and Scorpio. These are some of the things that um, I'm kind of really looking forward to observing. 
Yeah. Yeah. And it, you know, and it's interesting because I mean, I follow the true nodes. I'm, I don't know about the, the rest of you ladies, um, but some people follow the mean nodes and really the mean node had done, had done the shift uh, around December 22nd and then the true node uh, calculations around January 18th. So we've been sitting in this space of, um, you know, it's a, it's a liminal space, which speaks to the Scorpio energy, I'm sure here, but um I already feel it. I feel it. Definitely feel it. Uh, <laughs> and I'm excited for it. And I think that seems to be the thread through each one of our conversations so far is that we're looking forward to the transition um, and the fixed element of it uh, too, after all this time of movement and uncertainty. And it doesn't mean life's going to get any more that much more certain. I mean, there are some elements about the nodal shift and definitely the Uranian involvement that is going to be there. But um, I think that there definitely is is a a settling down that we can lean into here. So Christina had given a few words of the nodes, which we hear things like fate, destiny, which are loaded words. Um, they, it exists. I mean, we've all been in fateful situations or destined situations where we feel like serendipity is at play. Um, or, (laughs) well, I mean, depending on the situation, of course. Um, but, uh, Shireen, do you have any other, like, I know keywords really finite something, Mm. but any other thoughts of like the purpose of the nodes or things we can lean into there? Sure. I mean, you know, I was just, as you were speaking, I was just thinking about how, I mean, one of the ways that I do readings is I like to look at what's happening at the time that you're doing the reading itself. I'm so fascinated with the background and the fact that we're doing this converse, we're having this conversation on Mars day, the day of Mars, which is the, the South node, of course, in Scorpio on the last quarter moon in Scorpio. Mars is changing signs today in Capricorn, going into exaltation. So if we look at the, it's kind of, I mean, it's not exactly the ingress right now, but just the idea of like the opening, I always like to look at the opening energy of anything. So it's kind of like, hmm, this is interesting. Like, I mean, of course, maybe it's my bias of having a lot of planets in Scorpio that I'm focusing right now more on Scorpio. But I think since we're having the conversation under all this very strong Mars yeah. Scorpio energy, also let's not forget Mars and Venus are going into their dance all of February. We're in that, you know, we're already in in Vedic astrology, they call it the planetary war, the Graha Yuda <laughs> between <laughs> Mars and Venus. Tango, the tangoing. So I mean, if we think about that, I think that's very interesting because of course the nodes are also reflecting Mars-Venus conversation, right? Because Taurus being ruled by Venus, Scorpio being ruled by Mars. So there's definitely a strong inner dialogue. Maybe this is the Jungian Jungian in me too speaking, but like what's come up since this nodal shift for me has been revisiting Carl Jung's read by Alan Watts. I just posted this in one of the groups I'm doing recently. This amazing conversation he has, well, Carl Jung is speaking about the inner civil war. And to me, that feels like the Mars and Venus <laughs> dance and the, the nodal dance. I mean, the thing that I think gets overlooked a lot in discussions about the nodes is that they are polarized. I mean, it's a polarity that we have to integrate and it is showing this very intense. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's an inner split, an inner dialogue going on a collective level that we have to find some kind of, well, Jung would say, like, what's the... Um, what what's the 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 middle ground or what is the transcendent function that's going to evolve like kind of the magical third thing that could evolve from this polarizing right so if we think about 
that dance, that Mars Venus dance. I'm thinking of that book, like men are from Mars and they're from Venus. That's been coming <laughs> up in people's recently. I mean, speaking of Mercury, Venus, retrograde, I mean, it's interesting that people have been referencing that book lately in my sessions. And I'm like, that's interesting. Cause that is definitely a Mars Venus theme, right? I mean, it's old school, but whatever the new version of that is, we should look actually when that book came out, if there was some kind of similar nodal Mars Venus thing, it could have been like Aries Libra even, cause that's the other version of Mars mm. Libra nodes, right? But, um, or of Mars Venus planetary war. This is an unusual Mars Venus planetary war because of the Venus retrograde. You know, they're not usually so close together for so long. It's very unusual. So the fact that that's happening while we're in this change of nodes is very, very interesting to me that we are looking at how we do our Mars and Venus energies and how we're doing our relationships um, and what we feel about relationships and what we feel about that dance, that that inner dance of Mars and Venus. Yeah, and, and ultimately our inner civil war between Anima and Animus <laughs> that we're all always dealing with. I could have a whole on that. Yeah, that's um it's big stuff. You know, we think about Mars and Venus. I was just talking about this on the podcast uh last episode. Um thinking about the idea of connection and unity and wholeness and the separative quality and how in relationship we need both connection and to be our own entity, because that's the only way that the two kind of come together. And so it feels like there's a lot of lessons that are going to be imparted within this uh, nodal shift um, around that, because we absolutely need both. But as you were just uh, displaying with the dance, it has to be a balance with it, which is a very Venusian thing, but it's always the polarity and the opposition and with oppositions and that kind of Saturnian aspect of it, right? It's the most distance you can possibly get. Well, how do we meet in the middle with that? And it's a constant uh, battle. Maybe that's where the battle part comes in of um, how to balance those areas out. And for just so everyone knows, men are from Mars, women are from Venus. Well, I mean, that's subjective, but that was written in 1992, which was an interesting time just thinking about culture and, you know, like the, um, I don't know, there's the, the time period of where women were at, where men were at, women were making their most strides at that time because the eighties were still pretty almost restrictive. We didn't realize it. It seems like women were coming out in the eighties, but there were still like things, especially financially that, you know, women were getting through to gain that more interdependence. So it's an interesting time point. The nodes were in actually a a Capricorn and cancer at that time. Um, which kind of is, I could see how that would speak a little bit too, when we think about that mother and father type of archetype, but and um, Pluto and Scorpio at the time too, which is yes. interesting because hopefully I would like to at some point circle around to the Pluto and Scorpio generation if that's interesting. Because I know you've got some charts we're going to look at, but um, be interesting to see that generation has already made you know big strides in the world in in various ways, and um, so they'll be having that you know collective sort of nodal you know impetus urge for, for being the transformers potentially in the world in one way. 
Yeah, that's a good point. And to think about and to play off that and also what Shireen was talking about, about the back to back uh, Mars Venus kind of opposition dance that happens with Scorpio, Taurus and Aries and Libra. It's interesting to think about how the nodes moving backwards in the Zodiac uh, stimulate those two axes um, back to back. So we go from you know, we, we grow in the Venusian way we release from the Mars and then that switches. So we're kind of in this, uh, you know, three and a half year period where it is a lot of Venus and Mars and how we inter <laughs> and how we interact with that and all the eclipses that go there. But, um, Georgia, what do you yeah. think about the, uh, the, any, you know, nodal observations for yourself or what you can add to the conversation around just, you know, being an evolutionary astrologer, nodes are so important, yeah. right? Yes, absolutely. I was going to start with that because absolutely. And um, when we look at the, the, with evolutionary astrology, the really the first and the meatiest and the deepest place that we look at in the chart, um, that is really transformative actually for, for, for someone who's never had an evolutionary astrology reading. Maybe they've had many other different types of readings, but we look at Pluto and the nodes of the moon. And also the moon itself is very informative too. But Pluto and the nodes and the nodes really, I mean, often, you know, they, we give it that name of the, of the soul's path and um, yes, you know, the path of destiny to some degree. And there's a lot of karmic dynamics involved with the nodes, but um, it, you know, that when we, when we're looking at it on that collective level, when there's that, you know, the transits that are affecting all of us collectively as to where those nodes are in, a, you know, 1.6 years, roughly they change signs. Um, I think about the fact that, for example, um, when the, uh, for example, I have the nodes, it's interesting you were talking about the polarity, right? We're literally dancing with it, with the, with that polarity, that axis for 1.6 years. And it is a sort of a deep dive into those mystery schools. And we are, we're, we're truly schooled in it. And it becomes, it actually as well, it really is where it's that, that domain of that terrain of learning, which becomes very personal and very real because it is about integration. It's about really integrating, you know, into what actually informs our sense of self and is very real in our lives in this here and now. And I think about how, um, you know, you, you make wherever your personal nodes are, um, and then there's very, it's very different when we actually have the collective transit, because for example, for me, Gemini Sagittarius, I actually have very little Gemini and Sagittarius in my own chart relative to other energies. And yet regardless, I was initiated into a deep schooling in that realm. You know, I mean, it doesn't just affect those that have heavy Gemini, Gemini Sagittarius that affects us all. And yet that's a wonderful invitation. That's a wonderful opportunity. You know, the nodes, the nodes, transits really present us with opportunities to really dive deep into those areas and to wrestle with and negotiate these two extremes. And I, I have walked away from that transit with immense learnings. Um, and now, of course, I'm down now diving into more familiar terrain, which is the Taurus-Scorpio axis. I have tons of energy along that axis. Um, so, you know, a lot of people that don't have that energy, Taurus-Scorpio, and as well, it's, it, it's tough terrain because Taurus-Scorpio, we're, we're going into realms that are really non-verbal in many ways. They're really like lower chakra, like deep. You kind of got to feel it and live it and breathe it to know it. And that's why there's almost this unspoken 
unspoken understanding between Scorpionic people and, and Taurian people too. You know, there's just something we recognize and understand and feel with each other. And now we're all being initiated into that school of learning. But um, one thing I wanted to share too, just on that note of polarity that you guys were bringing up was that, um, and of course, we'll be looking at this more if we, we get to the, you know, Saturn square the nodes, for example, is anyone who has any planets squaring the nodes. Um, and this is such a huge focus in evolutionary astrology. I have Venus square the nodes, for example, is that it means that there is this, you know, there's this dynamic where you are almost like there's this, something's unresolved in the polarity. You are, you're literally being sort of pushed or pulled, you flip-flop between the two extremes in a way that really invites you, initiates you to find that middle ground, to find that space of negotiation. And it is tough. Um, and so I think, you know, that Saturn square, the nodes is really going to reveal that for all of us this year, but any nodal transit, any, you know, the South node and the North node. And I just love that saying that says, you know, it's not either or it's both and more. Because that's that's one of the things that I love to think about when it comes to the nodal axis is that there's a common misconception that it's off, it's about, you know, when we talk about it as a pathway, we think about it as moving from the south node into the north node. And that's actually quite a common misconception because in so many ways, we're not really leaving anything behind. We are releasing, there are there is a drainage there on the south node, but in so many ways, we're also reclaiming, we're, we're revisiting like, I think of, you know, the South Node and Pluto, we are in so many ways reclaiming our power and power that has been lost or, you know, depth that has been lost, truth that has been lost or ignored, and we're integrating it and bringing it in. So there's, you know, it's like, I think, yeah, there's instead of that non-linear way of looking at the nodes, I just love to think of it as the two coming together and this true integration. And it really becomes very real and tangible for everyone. It's something we're really collectively going through and sets a tone for this, this next year and a half. So yeah, those are my thoughts. I love that you bring up the fact that, you know, the South Node isn't all bad, why it gets such a bad rap. Yeah, there are things that come from it. We there are things that we have to move on from it, you know, the the traps of it. But I feel like there's so many gifts that come from it too. And and even having it um transiting in the sky, especially, you know, the, the transit of the South node over a natal planet. Um, I, I feel like a lot of times we we maybe even remember gifts that we forgot that we had, or there's access to something that has been um, on ice for a while that hasn't got, you know, it's day and, and it gets activated. And it's like, Hey, you remember me, you know, you're pretty efficient or, you know, in, in this, bring it, bring it to the surface again. Right. It's almost like bring it up from the bottom um, and rise it to the top. But unless we have kind of that stimulus um, to remind us, you know, we kind of forget those, those gifts and qualities that are just innate within us. So I love that you bring that up. Mm. Um, yeah, we are Taurus Scorpio folks here. Uh, what, what, what does everybody have in Taurus and Scorpio? Shireen, what do you, what do you have there? I have uh, Saturn and Taurus, and then I have, uh, sun, Venus, Mercury, Jupiter, and Vesta in Scorpio. <sighs> Wow. Wow. So 
<laughs> well, that being said, um, uh, what archetypes can you provide for us with the Taurus Scorpio? Like what, cause we're all going to have our own takes on it. Right. Cause we're, we all have heavy placements there, but I feel like, I feel like you're a good place to start here. <laughs> I always feel like it's like the creation destruction axis. Um, for me, you know, the more I've delved into it over the years, I really feel like um, it's there's something very, it's like the artist meets the um, the esoteric or the psychological, the depth psychology. Like I think of things like, you know, what's interesting is um, when I was born, the year I was born when there was like around the time I was born, actually, when there was that strong Scorpio Taurus polarity going on between Saturn and Taurus and the planets and Scorpio, the, um, and it's funny, one of my mentors, uh, who is an art therapist, one of the first art therapists kind of created art therapy in New York city, art Robbins, uh, it was founded in that time. That's when art therapy came to be. So I kind of think, yeah, art therapy, like Taurus, like the creativity, but then like going into the Scorpio depth, you know, and I don't think people talk enough about how creative that is. I mean, even Picasso has a lot of Scorpio Taurus kind of polarity, like it's very creative and very deep and very um, passionate, that combination archetypes. I mean, if we think tarot archetypes, we could think of it like the death card, you know, Scorpio all about the death and the transformation and kind of the Kali energy of Kali behind me here. And Taurus being more of that earthy empress, um, garden, um, bull, you know, the, I just think of like the earth, you know, the, the, the giving birth to something new and the Scorpio kind of destroying, like you have to create to destroy and destroy to create. So it's that whole cycle really. Um, so maybe I, I imagine if we think of like the positive as we were just speaking of, you know, with K2 or the South Node being um, about forgotten gifts or, you know, what's interesting in Vedic astrology, K2 is considered in his own sign in Scorpio, like he likes to be in Scorpio. And it's also got a kind of a Mars energy, K2 or South Node. Um, so there's this like I think there's going to be a very strong emphasis. There's a strong Mars energy going on right now. Like I said, the fact that we're having this conversation under on Mars day under Scorpio last quarter moon and Mars going into his exaltation in Western astrology. So I just, yeah, I feel like we're going to be reclaiming or going back into our own inner Mars warrior gifts. Like I think we're going to all have to kind of become warriors, especially when Jupiter goes into Aries this spring. Mm -hmm. Um, that, that'll be an interesting kind of another Mars note going on where, yeah, we're kind of all on the battlefield in a way. I think this battlefield energy is going to be pretty strong in 2022. This, this part of the, I think we're going to have different versions, different chapters of the nodes in Taurus and Scorpio, but it feels like the onset is kind of like getting ready for some kind of battle. That's the feeling I get. The civil war energy keeps coming to me. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, and I, and I want that. I I'm saying that because I'm hoping people can deal with their own internal civil war to hopefully, um, in any way we can like Thich Nhat Hanh style, right. Um, prevent <laughs> having to live it out. Like Jung says, anything that's not conscious, we have to live it out as fate. So if we can do the inner work and wrestle with this destruction, creation energy, or this inner polarity, maybe we won't have to 
fight it out on the battlefield when Jupiter goes into Aries, hopefully. I know. I mean, I saw one of the first, uh, it's a great point because I saw recently on NPR, they had an article talking about like, at least here in America, you know, the chances of a civil war, but it won't be a civil war between the country. It'll be a civil war between each state. And like, and the, the talk's already coming up and, and you're absolutely right. Yeah. You know, we war with each other when we're at war with ourselves. And it's important to uh, remember that, especially when we get into the projection and what we're talking about with oppositions and that polarity aspect, because there's always projection that comes with it. Um, so I love all those points. Christina, what tell us <laughs> what, what do you have in uh Taurus and Scorpio? I know you got a lot of Scorpio. Uh and so what yeah. do you think about all that and the access there? I, I don't necessarily like to reveal myself. Oh but, well you and but since so I'm in that's in Scorpio. We're in our little coven, our little Scorpio coven. Let's see. I've got um moon conjunct my part of fortune and Uranus and and then the north node conjunct Venus, all in Scorpio, and then um, South Node in Taurus. Um, I think that's. Oh, I think. I, wait, do I have like an asteroid there? I, I'm not really sure, but <laughs> that's pretty much. It's it's very Scorpio heavy. Yeah. <laughs> I have a feeling. I think we're more Scorpio heavy in this room. Maybe, maybe not in Georgia. We'll get to Georgia, but uh, a lot of Scorpio <laughs> rolling around these parts. <laughs> And I wanted to just bring up a little bit about what we were talking about just before we press record is that we were noting how when the nodes first shifted, um, I don't have the dates with me, but we, we, I think we all collectively were paying attention to this cluster of what appeared to be elders, not all elders, there's also some others here and there, but like just very sort of people who have been part of the zeitgeist, if you will, in their lives who passed away, you know, within just seemed like one after the other with a short period of time. And yes, we're in a pandemic, but they didn't all pass from COVID or anything like that. You know, some did, but um, basically just people, I think you said mostly in their nineties, that's like, that's past like what the Uranus return or something like that. Right. Or, and um, so, I mean, so it's kind of normal, but the fact that these were all people that actually in many ways really uplifted humanity, I, I believe inspired people on, on a, a real sort of humane level, like first, let's see, Betty White and um, Desmond Tutu and um, uh, Sidney Poitier, absolutely Said a, such an incredibly elegant man and an incredible actor and activist, and um, and Thich Nhat Han recently, and in between, just it seemed like so many to the point where it's kind of hard to really just mourn each one individually, unless. Sometimes I feel like, you know, when we're touched by somebody, even if it's a big celebrity who we've never met, then part of them, you know, lives on in us. And maybe that is part of this, um, you know, this message of the nodes making that transition is about these these elders transitioning. And I remember in your talk with Gray Crawford, you'd said that this year, like so much happening in um, Scorpio, Taurus, and um, Aquarius, that Leo is kind of empty until, at least until Leo season, then it gets a little bit of love, right, there with the sun and the Venus and Mercury. But, you know, that to me says that 
when I, and I've also also observed that when some big, you know, people who have taken the collective attention, when they pass on, then what they stood for or what in the way that they have uplifted humanity, that's a reminder for us that that lives within us too. And maybe we can carry on that legacy in our own way. So to me, that's very Aquarian. It's sort of the spreading of the light rather than it just being focused on one person. Because I think even the point of even, um, you know, a celebrity or a guru, if you will, um, is that they're just a focal point for what lives on and what's possible in us. You know, we think that there's certain special people that are just born special or have a special destiny, but maybe in some ways they are uh, an awareness for us that there is a potential within us to to live a certain way, to bring some sort of light into the world or to activate something within us that maybe we don't always recognize in ourselves. And um, so, you know, these things happen all the time, but with the nodes and Taurus Scorpio, I loved what Shireen said about, you know, we may feel stretched and polarized by these, you know, differing um, drives and urges, but then, you know, what is that transcendent function that is, you know, within us to, to integrate, to balance, and to find sort of a, a third way of being that is like a really creative way of being within this polarity of these nodes, if that makes mm. any sense. Yeah, that absolutely <laughs> yes. makes sense. <laughs> what, what would you guys think about, it just came to me, I don't know, uh, like because of what Christina was saying, that was such an astute observation about like that missing Leo area and the... I was just thinking, like, I was trying to think, what would be the transcendent function of a Taurus-Scorpio inner civil war? Would it be Aquarius? Like, could we think of it like they meet in Aquarius or they ground in Leo somehow? Or it's interesting to think about, I guess, depending there, on... There was an EA, um, I think it was a Jeffrey Wolf Green sort of insight where hmm. they, you stand on... Tell me if I'm getting this right, Georgia. You stand on the south node and then you look to the left and that's where the integration is i believe i mean i think there you you know we like to do these formulaic things but um and then and then other people say well yeah. there's more ways of looking at it but but there may be some um some real you know wisdom to that yeah so that would be you know south node in tour i'm sorry we're south node in scorpio so to the left would be leo so aquarius yeah, Leo's the north bending and Aquarius is the okay. south bending. So that so what you're saying. So that no that's interesting, but and once again we're back to a polarity, right? Like mm -hmm. where do we we have to ground in ourselves because and realize that we're always a part of a community in the wider in the wide world, you know? Like it's 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 once again it's not one or the other. It's uh, you know, but remember and maybe remember who we are with within all that and remembering where our heart is at right? I mean, it's easy to, it's not, well, some people not, I have some Leo, but <laughs> it's like, I don't know if we are going into this prominent point of creation 
in time, right? You know, Shereen was just talking about the death card versus the birth card. Christine is bringing up, you know, all these deaths that are potent. It makes me wonder what's to be born and who's to be born during this time, right? You know, when you have these uh, like very impactful souls leave the planet, you know, the universe abhors a vacuum. So of course, someone's some some entities are going to come in the place that uh, that replace that or not replace it, but add to it. Um, and so it just makes me think more about that um, and just how and we can connect with our heart before about like the, the we'll eventually have this Saturn squaring the node Saturn in, in um, Aquarius. So that and, you know, Saturn yeah. has these tough lessons. So that might be, you know, it can be tough. Uh, it depends <laughs> on how integrated. I actually have Saturn square my nodes natally. But um, so, yeah, it can be tough. But isn't that interesting in Aquarius? And like, say, Hollywood and all that L.A., that's very Leo, right? Isn't that sort of, that's a Leo archetype. And in America, we've been seen as that's been sort of, that has been for a long time, kind of like, where we get our sort of source from, you know, our energy source and our attention. And now it almost seems like that that's also shifting, you know, it's like, you know, it's not as big a deal of a red carpet, you know, something for a, a movie coming out because anyway, people are watching stuff on Netflix at home, you know, they, they're not as, they're, they're not as drawn to that. And it seems like more of the, if there are stars, actors or whatever, they, they can't be all about themselves. They almost like, they seem to be elevated more when they have something more to say that tends mm. to be, whether it's activism or something beyond just their own specialness. So that, that's just kind of something that I'm just kind of been observing. And maybe we might see more of that as that square comes into, I mean, the T-square with Saturn comes yeah. into yeah. Well, it makes sense. I mean, where are we, where are we getting a lot of our entertainment now? You know, the community with like TikTok, you know, everybody's watching everybody else. They're not watching a centralized focus. Um, and I, you brought up a great point of like stars taking to activism. I mean, a lot, there's been a lot of, um, uh, talk around, uh, a Scorpio, Leo DiCaprio's new movie. Don't look up. Is that what it's called? Um, talking about, uh, environment, I have not seen it yet, so I can't speak to it, but I know a lot of people are like, <laughs> Georgia's like, yes. Have you seen it, Georgia? Oh, yes, I have. Um, I actually had a lot of thoughts on that film, uh, edging up to today, but absolutely. That's interesting. The, I, I'm, I'm assuming you're thinking of Leonardo DiCaprio and how he's of course, such a huge central poster figure in Hollywood. And yet he's devoted much of his like mature years, uh, to climate activism. And that film was abs absolutely spoke to the climate crisis and the collective attitudes to it. Um, and really how they essentially have to change. That film was fascinating. I implore anyone to watch it. There have been so many. Do you know what's just as interesting as the film itself is the reaction to the mm. film. <laughs> um, I think it says a lot about where we're at. It's such a litmus test. It's it's fascinating. There's so much to say on that. But yes, I, is that what you were, you were getting at, Melissa? That, that, that's actually per exactly a great example. Yeah. What, um, I was kind of sensing and then it's like, I immediately oh, yeah, thought of course. Of yeah. Because, you know, and Leo, you know, it's Leo, and it's not all just about him and his great performance. It's the message of that. And, you know, again, yes, yeah, some people are, are extreme because we're, we were used to looking at 
Hollywood films is making us feel good, you know, aspirational. And this is like, we're gonna all gonna die. <laughs> Wake <laughs> up, burn out, humor, humor. Spoiler alert, we're all good. <laughs> yeah. Which is fast. I mean, for us Scorpios, we're like, it's almost like we can breathe easy now. We're like, finally, you're actually like grounded in reality and not just, you know, as in we need to talk about these things. And and yeah, it's and that and that that it that is a service to humanity right now. I mean, we're going to be increasingly made aware of just how important it is that we do talk about the things that we ju- the most uncomfortable things, which is our own yeah. mortality and is the fragility of life itself. And so, absolutely, it's amazing that people like Leonardo DiCaprio and all those actors actually that were a part of that film. Um, it, it is a great service to humanity to use their platforms to centralize these conversations and get more people engaged with them people that usually are up until this point and they're not going to have the choice to do this for for much longer I don't think because of how of how much we are facing already with the climate crisis but ever more so you know it's meaning that people can't hide from those conversations anymore we have to address these things we have to talk about them yeah, it, and it seems rather timely. It. it seems rather timely with the North Node moving into Taurus, right? I mean, I think we could probably all agree here that uh, climate and land uh, and how we interact with it and, and the Uranian component there um, is going to be very strong going forward. So the message coming out with this movie uh, and the message that's going to continue seems pretty on. <laughs> And yeah. these food, even these food shortages that we're having already, I heard it. I mean, in the U.S., like I hear like these, my friend couldn't even get her cat cat food the other day. Oh, Not the cats. <laughs> Uh, well, and that speaks to sustainability. You know, I think about like, I have a cat and I feed her something and I'm like always wondering like, where's this meat come from? This wet food, these like, you know, like. Uh, just thinking about we talk we big buzzword these days is supply chain you know supply chain shortages but i think it's going to make us think a lot about supply chain where things come from when things dry up how did we get them in the first place um is this is this sustainable how does it affect the environment i mean these have been questions we've been asking for a long time some more so than others a lot of people are like i don't care to know um i'm fine and comfortable just the way i am and uh I think we're reaching a point where, um, and you know, like it's just uh, something, something's got to give. And so I guess I'm kind of excited for that. I mean, it's, it's terrifying in the same right, but I mean, we got to change sometime, right? Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I, I think, like you said, it's a mix of, of anticipation and excitement because we know that something needs to change. I, I wrote this piece recently and I one of the, the 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 first line in it and and so many people resonated with with it is simply, you know, how do you how do you um feel about that phrase everything is changing, right? Is it everything is changing? Oh fuck, you know, bleep, bleep, bleep. Oh my God. Or is it everything is changing? Oh my goodness. Thank goddess. I can't wait, you know? And of course it's usually massive fluctuations between the two, but it does make me think of this Taurus Scorpio axis. I think as well about how, you know, um, on that note of the fact that, you know, you're, I mean, that Uranus on the North node, um, is something that I, am. Um, 
yeah, looking forward to ever since, you know, Uranus went into Taurus, it was like, okay, yes. Cause I have, speaking of which I do have a lot on, on, on the, the Taurus Scorpio axis. And, um, I have, so I have moon in Taurus and Mm. it's on my IC and it opposes my Pluto on my MC with Pallas Athena. And then I also have that conjunct my Mars and my sun in the 10th house. So that's my very intense. Oh yeah. (laughs) Scorpio. You got angles, you got luminaries, you got. (laughs) It's it's really, really intense. And it's so bright. It's like an everyday thing that I live and breathe because of that moon, you know, my moon in Taurus. Thank goddess for my moon in Taurus though. I mean, I just have such a, a love for Taurus energy because of that. I mean, it just, but then I love Scorpio too. I'm so passionate about that energy, but, um, but yeah, just thinking about on that note of the climate crisis and the every level ecological environmental crisis that we're in. Um, and how back in 2000, beginning of 2019, I read Deep Adaptation, which is a pa- an academic journal paper that was written by Jem Bendel, Professor Jem Bendel, and has now become, I mean, it was a phenomenon. It was incredible. There's now this huge global community and conversation around that paper. Um, and essentially the premise of the paper, the, the, the underlying statement really before it says anything else is that near-term societal collapse is inevitable due to climate change. That is a huge thing to say. It's a huge thing to contemplate and to stomach. Um, but to be honest, you know, it was that paper was like deeply rooted in climate science and just practical observance of the world and, uh, you know, observing the world and how things are mammothly changing. And, you know, that, uh, that paper was was an academic journal paper was read by so many people all over the world. And a lot of people, you know, woke up because of that paper and joined Extinction Rebellion because of that paper and came together in community around that paper. And, they, um, but also got immense eco-anxiety. I absolutely did. I went, I really went into Scorpio territory of facing some of the deepest fears on a personal collective level I've ever faced in my life. But there was another side. And for me, the other side was actually a few months later, one of the other sides was that I actually traveled finally to Schlatlium, the Schlatlium territory in Canada to, I, I connected with Indigenous wisdom before and I, um, you know, went to New, spent some time in New Zealand connecting with and learning from the Maori people. But when I went to Schlatlium, Schlatlium territory in Canada, that was my own Indigenous ancestors and relatives. I descend from a, from the last hereditary chief of the Hatlip tribe. And I, you know, I met, my second day there, I met a chief who, and who became a great friend, a mentor who absolutely agrees that we are, he believes wholeheartedly that we are, um, we are, and we are, we are entering into a wholly new, beautiful world, right? Now that is one, that's one of the premises of deep adaptation in the community. Many people believe that you'll find if you believe in the more beautiful world, our hearts know is possible in that Taurian garden of Eden, right? That Taurus North node. If you have that vision, if you feel and you can feel it coming. It's like that beautiful quote that says on a quiet day, I can hear her breathing, right? You will find friends in the deep adaptation community. Absolutely. But like this chief said, and like this deep adaptation community acknowledges, it is likely going to get a lot worse 
been and before it gets better because we're going to school we're going to go through Scorpio to get to that Garden of Eden we're already in Scorpio anyway I mean let's we we can be very acutely like it, it's very true that our world is not working our world and our system causes absolute daily hell for most people um and and actually causes us immense amounts of suffering on an inward level, even if we feel that Taurianly we are actually very comfortable on a deep Scorpionic soul level, all of us are suffering, you know, on some level. It's this world is, is um, we're in crisis on every level. So, but what I love is that, you know, yes, there is this, this Uranus and Taurus, I think is going to, it's going to take us into and require us to have those conversations, to have that vision for a new and more beautiful world, whilst acknowledging that this old one has to die and is dying and that we are going to be going through the Scorpio unraveling and what that will mean. I think that this is why, you know, I do love the deep adaptation community for this reason. I do employ everyone to explore that paper or like for that community. It's helped me so much. But one of the things for me that really like comes through, there's this gem. I'm just going to share my little Taurus moon gem that always helps me every day as I'm, you know, constantly contemplating this existential like crisis that we're in. Um, that um, this cliff edge that we, of course, are kind of collectively hanging on in many way um, is that, you know, with my, my Taurus moon has the reason it has, I'm so grateful for it. And when I Pluto went over my, my North node in May, in May, 2012, and I was plummeted into my scorpionic depths. I lost everything overnight and I had the all the existential crises and who am I? Why am I here? And the way that Taurus grounded me and has grounded me again and again is understanding, connecting with, clarifying my core values. And that's why I'm so excited about Uranus and Taurus, because I feel like Uranus and Taurus is awakening us not to like the surface, very distorted version of Taurus that we have, which is often around like money and valuables and possessions, which yes, that's a part of Taurus, but the deepest, most essential gem and beauty of Taurus for me is our core values. That is something that talk about Taurus, the long-term and the sustainable, what can we hold on to through the crisis, no matter what, through the inevitable uncertainties of Scorpio is our core values. And once I clarified those three core values, I was like, okay, I, this, this is my life raft. This is what I have, what I can align my life with, can, you know, can connect with no matter what, come back to again and again. And I think that that's what I think Uranus and Taurus is going to be about is really like awakening us to what are our values? What do we actually value before and beyond or else? You know, there's 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 books now coming out that I'm super excited about. People are having conversations about, I think we need to get really clear on like what we actually value as a society and as a humanity and then start freaking aligning with it because we're just kind of like, you know, we're just bulldozing through <laughs> on the earth with this vague notion of values, which are actually incredibly destructive, we don't even have clarity of, of, on them most of the time. So yeah, personally and collectively, I think the clarity around values is going to be so revolutionary. Talk about Uranus for um, yeah. this and it. Yeah, I, I preach it every podcast talking about values. And yes, I think a pan, pandemic is going to get you, pandemic has got us closer to that. Um, that's for yes. sure. But uh, 
lovely points, Georgia, you know, you speak to the access well as you should <laughs> with all those planets there. Um, but I know Shireen, did you have any, uh, we have to, it's lights out almost where you are, right? Is that yeah. what's going on? It's, it's nighttime. Like um, yeah. it feels, it's like two in the morning for us here. I mean, cause we get up at four in the morning here. So, oh, geez. Oh my goodness. Are, do you have any last uh, thoughts to share or important things that you're like, I need to get this out there oh, before I lay my, uh, <laughs> speak of pressure. You want some pressure <laughs> before yeah. I lay my head on my pillow? Uh, yeah. I mean, I guess, yeah, there's so much to say. It's, I really love this conversation. We could, we could continue this ongoing really. I think um, just a few other thoughts I had one. I mean, I think it will be useful and important to track the movement of Mars and Venus throughout this nodal. I mean, as we said, it's going to continue. Mars and Venus are going to be tracking for many, many years <laughs> where they are, which signs they're in to kind of see how we're learning the lessons of the North and South node. And yeah, I think the return of, I think the return of the value, like the um, valuing the tangible, like what Taurus, like, you know, we've been like, we've all been in our heads <laughs> for the last year and a half with all this Gemini energy. So the return to the body, the return to the earth, the return to simple things, simple pleasures. Um, and. I think there'll be a big focus on finding our voice. There'll probably be a lot of, you'll probably notice people get re getting really into working on their voice, like understanding how much you can learn about a person through their voice um, and ourselves through our voice. I think that's going to be probably a, a big theme. And again, I, I love that we're looking at the backdrop with Uranus being in Taurus as well, which we've been in that lesson for a few years now. Um, but that liberating kind of influence on top of all the other lessons going on. And then of course, um, there's, I mean, we, we didn't get into that, but I think I'm really curious to see how this crypto thing plays out, yes. you know, with Rahu, North Node and Taurus. Um, I'm, I've been on the fence about whether to get in it or not. <laughs> I'm very Saturn and Taurus that way where I'm like, I just like, we, I like to be able to touch my money. I want to feel it. I want it in my house. <laughs> like I like to actually have it in front of me. Like I have, I have it like here. Like you know, there's my money. You know, under the mattress, kind of. You know, I never had it under the mattress, but you know, just like the tangible. Like I like the tangible. So I have. I've been reluctant. Also, when you have Saturn and Taurus, you're very slow to change. Even though I'm not all that Scorpio. I'm very slow to make changes and embrace new. I'm very slow to embrace new things. So maybe, um, I mean, there's the idea more, maybe this is more of a um, Vedic astrology kind of understanding of the North Node or Rahu that it becomes what you're obsessed with, you know, the movement of, like, it amplifies, it's an amplifier, Rahu is an amplifier, the North Node is an amplifier, it becomes what we're obsessed with, so we may all become more obsessed with Taurian kinds of things going into this. Um, our bodies are security are grounding i think people are gonna i've already noticed the shift that people are obsessed with land like people want to buy land yes you know they want yes they want to grow food um they want property they want security they want animals they want to farm <laughs> they want their own farm 
<laughs> and we're experiencing uh, the craziest inflation ever here over in uh, the U.S. for land, and um, right. and so that is That's a. Right. And that is a that is a theme throughout the last passages of this transit. Really, is um, I mean, in in the eighties, it, it was talking about another housing uh, and loan crisis. It was like the, the concentration of a of a small banking loan crisis happened basically in the eighties during this time. And um, you bring up a great oh, point yeah. of just value in general and wanting to touch your money because I think a lot of things with the I mean, we it, watching crypto is going to be very interesting. But one of the things I struggle with most for cryptocurrency is actually assessing the, the value of it and what makes it valuable and the um, the toll that it takes on the environment in order to mine this thing that I don't really fully understand at the same time. And so yeah. there's going to be a lot of conversations around that. And I feel you, I'm going to, I want that money in my mattress too. I'm like, I want to get at my, you know, like there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of energy of, uh, not well, not distrust. I mean, trust is a very big thing that comes up with this access to um, trust. Uh, and there it historically has shown that there is uh, instability in things mm-hmm. like the banking system and the stock markets yeah. um, at this yeah. time. So that is, yeah. that's a reality. And do we take that risk? Do we join the the rest of the herd to put our money into uh, crypto or do we hold back knowing that, you know, or do you, do you buy that house right now that is literally $75,000 more than it was a few months ago because you feel the urge to get in? Is or that bubble going to crash? You know, these are like all big questions that come up. Um, and your Uranus is going to keep us guessing <laughs> as we go yeah. through this. I have a feeling. Um, unstable. I'm glad uh, I agree. Yeah. There's, there's, there's an unstable feeling. That's kind of the irony. There's an unstable feeling. I guess that's that polarity. Like we can't get too comfortable because in a way you could say if K2 or the South Node is in Scorpio in its own sign, it probably has a little more power in this situation, you know, especially right now with Mars being exalted. I think we're under that influence right now more. Of, we're on the Mars side right now, more than Venus right now. Oh, Mars yeah. is winning. Mars is exalted. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Mars is winning right now at the moment. It'll change again, but especially when Venus gets exalted in Pisces with Jupiter and Neptune. I know. <laughs> that will be. Those will be some North Node moments right there. And it just happens to coincide with the eclipses, uh, especially April 30th, that solar eclipse. Yes. And the, the last, yes. Oh my God. Yeah. We didn't even talk about the eclipses. Oh my God. Well, maybe you guys will talk about that when I go to sleep, but, um, I just want to say one other kind of just a random fun thought, just make it more Venus poor Venus. Um, it'll be interesting to see if like, per, I kind of have this intuition that perfume will take off, you know, like it'll have like a resurgence with the Taurus. I always think of Taurus so much about like the scent and the smell and food. Of course, I think food, the food industry will be interesting. I mean, maybe because we'll be able to eat at restaurants again. I mean, I don't even know what's happening with all that restaurant business, but, but yeah, um, perfume. I don't know. I sort of feel like there'll be this kind of revival of perf- the perfume industry. <laughs> well, I feel like it, I love that because I'm someone who's really into the purity of scent. 
And I don't know, I'm so sensitive to it. And having someone walk by that has perfume, that it has like all these like artificial chemicals and things along those lines. I'm wondering if there's going to be a focus on perfume and um, and purifying it more, but also would it bring more um, awareness to, uh, you know, someone who likes, I personally love essential oils. I got quite a collection, but it's also how do we you know, a lot of people like that. How do we sustain that? How are we getting the stuff? Is there, you know, are we drying out the supply of the plant itself? And, you know, I think, I think you're onto something there. It's like, everybody's going to want these scents, but these bigger questions are going to come up around, um, you know, how we obtain them. And also the labels that they put on claiming things are pure when they're not. And yeah, yeah. so great point. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, Shireen, <laughs> I love my. I I have my lavender before I go to sleep, and <laughs> well, we'll we'll let you go off to dreamland. Which you know, Taurus, Taurus to me is definitely sleep. I had a Taurus Moon partner for years, and that man could sleep. I was like, dude, wake up! Like, get up! You know? <laughs> Love yeah, it. we are really <laughs> slow and steady. We're very slow and steady. Sorry, Shireen, what were you saying? No, I was just saying I love sleeping and I don't even have a Taurus moon, but I have Pisces moon. That's probably second to none with sleep. Yes. I, I live for my sleep time. I live to sleep. <laughs> That's funny. Thank you, Shireen. Yes, thank you for joining us, Shireen. We appreciate your time and your willingness to stay up late um, with oh, us so- here today. Oh, I wish I could stay longer. It's really fun to talk with you ladies. <laughs> Do you have a website or uh, any information you can share just before you, you go um, where people can find you? Thank you. Sure. Uh, my website is shereenvishmaya.com. It sounds like there's an H in my name. There's not. It's, I mean, Shireen has an H, but Vismaya, shereenvishmaya.com. I guess I'll put it in the notes, right? Now. I will put it in the notes. So you can get to Shireen. All right. So, well, thank you for joining us. And we hope you sleep well. Um, and we'll we'll carry on our Taurus <laughs> Scorpio conversation. Yep. And I'll be here through the, through the astral. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I said, Shireen, speaking to us. I feel like... Uh... <laughs> I'll you guys. We'll travel over to all your homes. And we'll all the different continents <laughs> we like listening <laughs> perfect so we bid you adieu shireen and we'll let Bye. you know how it goes further Bye. Bye. thank you <laughs> all right ladies well we are on to um what are we on to we've talked about <laughs> we have you know that's the thing when you have an agenda that's um it's always subject to change. Uh, and I feel like that is like the, the story of just the nodes in the past few years, Gemini and Sagittarius. Uh, yeah, we have a shifting agenda. I think the collective shift, when you pay attention to the nodes, it's the, the collective story shifts. So, yeah. and what's, what's important to us and how our values shift. And, and I think we've kind of been feeling, you know, if we've been paying attention, um, you know, we've been feeling this emphasis of Taurus because it was such a heavy emphasis, like Shireen said, on, you know, online learning and like, it's just the intangible and then the shift to the tangible, like, how are we going to make that shift? And one thing I wanted to, um, 
bring up that sort of came to mind that to me sort of embodies these uh, these no, this nodal shift is, do you know that Irish writer, um, they say she's like the millennial writer, Sally Rooney? Mm. Um, she's, oh, you don't know her? Okay, well, apparently she's like a blockbuster type of writer and she's she's only in her maybe... Is she in her early 30s, maybe even? I don't know if she's that old. But um, she has been writing. She wrote Normal People and Conversations with Friends. And they were like huge blockbusters, mostly in um, the UK and Europe. And um, they became TV shows and movies or whatever. But they were all about young people like kind of just stumbling their way into their sexuality. And like, you know, just a lot of it, some of it was... Honestly, it's kind of like soft porn to me. I thought. I think that was why people were like eating it up. They're like, oh, people wow. love some soft porn, you know. It's, it's a sure and detailed sex. You know? yeah. <laughs> to me, I was a little bit like, you know, my like private Scorpio. I mean, I was like, oh, keep that in the bedroom. But um, it, it was interesting how it was told because it was it is refreshing and honest and raw. That's what people loved about it. Um, and, you know, because we all make mistakes, I mean, it's, you know, we're all just kind of figuring it out when we're actually our whole lives, but especially when we're younger, you know, we don't know what we like or what we want or who's, you know, we're still trying to figure out social cues and things. But then her latest book was such um, anticipated, right? It was like the most anticipated book of 2021. And it came out, and of course, it was an instant bestseller. However, a lot of her like tried and true fans who kind of made her famous, like the millennial generation, a lot of people, there was a huge backlash because they said they were really disappointed because, and this isn't too much of a spoiler, but I'm going to say it anyway because this is part of the story, was that it ended up being more about um, traditional values, getting back to really appreciating relationships, marriage, home, you know, having children, like, you know, those things, like, and even maybe getting back to religion, which, you know, and in Ireland, I think they have like, they, they certainly have sort of a, a, a long history there with the Catholic church and things. And a lot of the, the, you know, younger people were like, no, what happened to the, you know, rejection of all of these things, rejection of all of what we're supposed to do. But I, you know, it seemed to be like a, a maturing, a maturing of an individual and finding her, not just that that's what maturity is, but what gave her a sense of her values, you know? So it's, of course, we think of Venus and Taurus about what are your values, really coming back to your true values, something that gives you a sense of, you know, a real groundedness and that you are living your true values, not the values of other people, not what's just feels good in the moment, but what is a continuation of your life, your legacy, and, you know, what's true for you, you know, beyond what you, your parents and your family and society tells you are your values, what are your true values? And that's what they always say is most people that have this sense of not fitting in with life or not fitting in with society is because they haven't truly gotten clear on their own values and started living their values. And, um, so to me, that was sort of a harbinger of, you know, this whole 
nodal shift is, you know, it's often said that with Scorpio it can be like just, especially someone with South Node in Scorpio, you know, has grown up as, as uh, Stephen Forrest has said, forged in the fire. Like maybe there's been a lot of drama, emotional drama and trauma, maybe even abuse, you know, some of those dark things that we think of as Scorpionic archetype and a movement toward, you know, what Taurus wants is peace, mm. stability. Yeah. Survival, you know, and um, again, it's it's easy to think of we're moving from the south node to the north node, and as as Georgia said, it can be a lot more complex than that because there's so much more um, nuance to it. Um, because you know, both both archetypes, whether it's south node and north node, they have their light and their shadow. But um, can we look at say potentially the shadow of south node and Taurus and use it as in a way, fertilizer <laughs> to grow our way into the higher side of Taurus or wherever it is our values that give us that sense of that we are on our path. And I think that's one of the things I know I've noticed for myself is I'm coming back to like, I just want a home and connection to nature and <laughs> stability. And I feel that. But as you all have said before, clinging to, you know, something that's uh, this surety, you know, like we, we never know the the Saturn Uranus square is still essentially in effect all year highlighted by this will be highlighted by the nodal axis, um, which means that, you know, even though we want to, there's certain things that show us that we want to cling to the past and to a sense of stability and like the Saturnian, um, you know, uh, stability and, and structure and, and authority that we're, that maybe part of us is used to that Uranian element of the change is here, like it or not, <laughs> we have to change with the times yeah. and those can still be creating that schism in our lives. Yeah. Well, I, it's interesting because what I heard when you were talking and it really could go either way, right? Because we can always find, you know, anybody that's Gemini energy, like me and Christina, like we can always be the devil's advocate or find the other side of it. And so part of me was thinking when you were talking about um, the necessity of preserving tradition and why we have traditions to begin with. And I only say that because we have been in a space, uh, especially with Gemini and uh, Sagittarius energy and everybody pushing to change the collective norm and the narratives and the dialogues and how we classify things and putting everybody on, you know, uh, on blast for just all these ways of being that are no longer applicable or don't. And all that stuff is very valid. Don't get me wrong, but there's. Uh, but in our fast paced changing world where we're trying to automate and, and be like more robotic and connect all the tech, I'm like, what about these like earthly traditions in these, these things that help us feel stable as people um, and like things like having a home or having land or connecting with nature or making a commitment to someone that is longer, that like everything doesn't have to be open and maybe open doesn't work for everyone, but you know, it's all valid for, for those people. Um, that, you know, everything's valid. Right. Uh, but I think trying to push one narrative and saying that that is the future for all, it, 
I feel like tradition is going to push back a little bit. And yes, we have to readjust to this new normal that we are building, but that's the, that's the beauty of tradition is there are, there is value in it. And because it has value, we are, it it makes sense to take it into the future with us. Um, and then maybe sort of morph that I see Georgia's getting excited. She's like, yes, Georgia, tell us what you think about that. No, I love that so much, Melissa. And it like, it really, um, really speaks to what Christina was saying. And I was feeling and thinking the same thing while you were sharing, Christina, because I think of how, um, well, absolutely. This was actually very much a lot of the lessons of this Saturn Uranus square was that we were thinking, okay, look, yeah, Uranus, the future, we need to leave the Saturnian old patriarchal shiz behind and let's go. Uranus future now, progression. Let's Mm -hmm. do it. But then, you know, it was really important to speak to the fact that actually not all tradition, not all of the past is bad. Like, we, you know, and labeling it as such. And that was in very many a way, just as you spoke to Melissa, some of the traps of the South Node in Sagittarius. You know, there, there can be such a violence with this kind of, there was there was this labeling and categorizing as what was right, what was wrong, what was progression and what was regression, such as though that young audience of Sally Mooney, did you say? I don't, Christine. Sally Liz? Rooney. Yeah, Rooney, sorry. excuse me. Um, you know, that, that the younger audience, millennials saying, oh, you know, I I thought you were progression, you know, you were a progressive writer that was providing an incredible roadmap to the future and more progressive ways, very Uranian, right? Oh, but actually you're very Saturnian. And, and like, no, why does that have to be the case? Like you said, Melissa, what, what was that North Node in Gemini really teaching us? It was that we need to kind of come out of some of the really like the the violent, for me, it really, I experienced it as a lot of violence with, you know, people just kind of were paralyzed into self-censorship because they were like, oh my gosh, there's this increasing sense of right and wrong, rather than the fact that every story, every human experience is valid, has validity. And maybe we're really disconnected from that. But then once we do come into that you know, sense of truth, that sense of Uranian, that yeah, like that's what is it that makes me unique? What are, are my unique set of values? It should be okay and safe for us to share that with each other. We, unity in diversity, that's you know, Uranus. We are all so different. And yes, some of us truly, we are monogamous. <laughs> I, you know, we are monogamous. We are, we just want like the home and the family. And I say just, that's a huge journey to take, you know, but it doesn't, we don't have to label it as old and new. And this is why I love the, um, the, the phrase that Charles Eisenstein points to, he uses this all the time that we're really looking at a new and ancient future new and ancient. There are so many dangers of us looking at, you know, what we categorize as really the new and the revolutionary and looking at the technological age where really in so many ways we're becoming more and more disembedded from our ancestral roots, from those that have come before us. Like our ancestors did not survive for hundreds of thousands of years they survived for a reason. What and how? This is when we look to the indigenous peoples. We look to the, you know, what was it like? That's you know what what has rooted and grounded and sustained us through these generations. And then within only a few generations, we've lost almost all of it, and we are catapulting ourselves off of a cliff. Okay, yes, new is interesting. Yes, new, absolutely, the scientific progress, like you know, discoveries and progression. These are all absolutely a part of the 
the future story of humanity. These are absolutely a part of our Uranian future, but we cannot leave the past behind, especially the ancient past. And I think that's why as well I love um, Tor- the Taurus energy is such simplification. Something I loved when I really um, learning from um, the indigenous peoples I got to you know connect with and learn from and work with my ancestors and relatives in Shlatlian Bay, there is such a simplification of their lives, of their, you know, what they focus on, what is important to them, you know, just even the way they speak, you know, we complexify things so much often, (laughs) so much. And we, we have this imperative need to sound intelligent and we just complexify things you know, to a fault, really. I think we, I'm excited that Taurus, I think, is really going to allow us and encourage us to come back to what is actually important, what is actually essential. I actually wrote down this quote, and I don't know who the author is, but the fact that we, I do think the South Node in in Scorpio is going to propel us into increasing uncertainty, right? Increasing volatility, like the ground feeling like it's slipping beneath our feet, and we're kind of going to be with a potential um, climate, you know, natural disasters and all kinds of systemic changes. And I think this, I love this quote that says, when everything is uncertain, Scorpio, everything that is important becomes clear. And mm. that that's what's really exciting about Taurus is that she's going to, that light's going to shine on her like, yes, okay, that's what we've been missing. And, and the Indigenous peoples, I think, are really going to rise and shine in that conversation. I really do, do think so. I, well, I just shared this with Christine the other day. By the way, I got chills when you read that quote because it obviously spoke to me in a, <laughs> in, in a cute way. Uh, but I was just telling Christine the other day, I sent you a news article about the first uh, Native American uh, um, to be appointed to the head of the Smithsonian, uh, Smithsonian Museum. And having, yeah, you know, so just as the nodes shifted, right. Right. As the, right after the nodes shifted. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah. And there was also a court appointment, uh, for, uh, a woman, um, oh God, I'm messing up. I'm not going to butcher it, but there we're seeing this, we're seeing these necessary variations and feminine, you know, we think about Venus energy, feminine energy coming into power. Um, so that's, that definitely speaks. Totally. And I, that, oh, absolutely. I think, um, yeah, there's two things that come up if you don't mind me sharing the first, just in reference to what you were sharing about, um, these shifts happening with people come into politics and into these positions of power and influence. Um, I do find it interesting that I even just noticed this in the news actually over the last, like the last year, um, that with like the with uh the climate summits and cop for example and i just note it's really interesting that politicians that are you know very famous for just you know the gift of the gab really just a lot of empty words but what was phenomenal is how their language was changing i saw boris johnson our prime minister like using indigenous language essentially and and i i, I don't usually watch the news so i try not to because you know i kind of sort of try to somewhat cleanse myself from it for significant periods of time. But when I turned on and I just thought, wow, this is such a shift. Yet, North Node in Gemini, we can speak a lot of stuff and that absolutely does shift things. It does. The language we use is incredibly powerful. But now that North Node's in Taurus, it's like, okay, what are you actually going to do about it? Like, how is this? You know, a lot of people, I remember when I was in Canada and I remember any sort of indigenous 
um, well, actually any gathering. And I remember at the very beginning, what they would do is they, they, they acknowledge the land that we are, that they were standing on and who, you know, the original inhabitants of that land or the indigenous roots of that land and the ancestral, who, who, whose ancestral homeland is it? Um, so, but then and I remember this one time I turned to this indigenous boy sitting next to me, a friend of mine, this was very early on in my time in Canada. And I said, wow, that's so amazing. That's so great that they did that. I'm really shocked that they did that. And he schooled me in one second. He turned to me and he said, yeah, that is nothing. They do that every single time. And it really is, it, it can be, you know, it, it's important. It absolutely is. But because as a young indigenous boy that has seen that constantly growing up with little to no actual substance that goes along with it, it's like, okay, now that North Node in Taurus, we're going to, you know, we're going to absolutely have to make it real. And this is the thing, because it's not just affecting indigenous peoples anymore. They're on the front lines of this climate crisis most often, but um, it's effect, It's going to affect all of us. It's going to come to our front doors. I, I, I have this sort of inner premonition or inner prediction in my mind. And I think, I think the first time that a major city of the world is going to go through immense flooding and destruction, I feel like only then is our collective consciousness going to go, okay, snap, like we're in this now, you know, I, and I feel like that could happen I feel like that's definitely going to happen with Uranus in Taurus at some point, but it could happen in the next year and a half, you know, because we, the sea levels are rising. We are going to face immense flooding at some point and it's going to affect our everyday systemic reality. It has to. So, and what are we going to do about it? It's very biblical, biblical in nature, you know, like it's. I wanted to say a little something on that too, is that, um, I, I love that going from, it was important for us to have this collective awareness around, you know, what is the land that we're on, that we, you know, the native people that are the, the original stewards of the land. Um, and then the next step is, you know, who are the descendants of those peoples and can we reach out to them and how can we make certain things right. Um, I saw something that really, for me, it just made things so aware is that when it spoke about, um, you know, BIPOC or different minority groups um, or groups that are treated like minorities that might not be minorities in number, but that are marginalized, you know, different marginalized groups. um, Yes, it's great that we are acknowledging them and things like that, but what really can be healing for them and their trauma of continually facing racism and and marginalization is that if they're able to earn a good living and just have like a, a roof, you know, a consistent roof over their heads and food and be nourished. And, you know, a lot of these inner city places, they don't even have grocery stores. That's something that just blew my mind. They don't even have access to fresh fruits and vegetables, you know, and think what that does to a person when they're only eating, um, you know, processed foods and sugars and things like that, just to keep them going, just to like fill their belly a little bit. Um, and that, and I also noticed that in my own life, so much of, so much of my, you know, my husband and I have been in the arts for so long. And then I went to astrology, not exactly so (laughs) stable, but then when we got to a point where, you know, now my husband has like a job at a university and we have this more sort of stable life. It's just something in me can relax. I actually feel, Mm. I feel more safe. I feel like I can, that in a way is healing. 
And when you think that there's other people that just haven't had access to these um, opportunities because of, you know, the, the, the mindset that keeps people from, you know, these, the, these, these gatekeepers for whatever reason, and it could be one's own mindset that I'm not worthy of, you know, having a certain position in society or what, whatever, I don't have the degree then. Um, and they're always kind of just, um, putting together just, you know, just collect, uh, what, what's the word, just like creating a life just from a little job here or a little, you know, uh, uh, just making some money here and some money there and trying to piece it all together and feed children and live. That's no way to really live. You're constantly in a state of anxiety. And I think what the pandemic has shown us is just increased our collective anxiety so much that we realize all those other little things, like why are we putting ourselves through that, ourselves and other people through these things? When Why can't we all just protect one another? And when it comes to things like the climate crisis, it's like, okay, yeah, I can, I can bring my like bag into the grocery store. I can recycle, you know, my recyclables, but is that enough? Like what else can we all be doing collectively? I, I think it's a lot of us are kind of almost waiting for like, please just tell me, how can I help? And, and it might have to come from some, you know, some real insight of how not only can we just prevent doing harm, but how can we actually maybe make up for, you know, healing the earth. And I'm, I'm hoping that at some point with the Uranus and Taurus that we may have some, some advancements in that. In that yeah. Area. You know, what spoke to me, Christine, well, a lot of that spoke to me, Christina, but one of the things you brought up was the, um, the, the really real issue of what is known as a food desert in cities. Um, and I know there's been movements here in San Diego to, um, get, the, you know, fresher options and, 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 uh, get those grocery stores that have those things to the areas that need them. But the bigger picture that comes up to me when I'm asking that question is thinking about, you know, thinking about Uranus and Taurus, uh, and how, especially Uranus only meets the North node every, um, in, in it's a same sign every 167 years. And really at the advent of cities and cities getting bigger and places like New York, and like, that's what changed the whole farm farming industry because people used to be on land that supplied the food, or at least would be near the people that supplied the food. And it brought a lot of issues into how do we bring fresh food into these burgeoning cities? Um, and the disconnect between the land and the food itself and how much time has gone on where, uh, people don't know where their food comes from. They don't know what they're eating. We have chemical replacements in it. It makes me think of a, one of the craziest things I watched was like a PBS special on like this whole milk crisis, like at the turn of the century where people were selling these, like there wasn't refrigeration. Everybody thought they had to drink milk, but they were selling this like rotten milk on a daily basis. And people were just getting sick. And because they're trying to bring it to the cities, you need the milk, but it's coming from these faraway places. And so it brings up all these questions of like, you know, how do we get the food to the concentration of the people? What does it say about the transportation that it takes to get there? What does it say about the level of population and trying to feed as many people on land that's not being replenished? Like these are all big questions, especially here in the States, because we don't, we farm differently than anywhere else in the world. Like we have very questionable farming practices, um, which I think will come into play, but just you bringing up the food desert, I was like, oh, there's, there's such a bigger story behind all that. And I'm wondering if 
the nodes are going to start to extract that, especially with Uranus there. Yeah. And they say like in France, they say like, what is organic farming? We've always had organic yeah. farming. That's <laughs> what it is. And then, I mean, when you go in the grocery store and there's an aisle for health food, you're like, wait a second, shouldn't it all be health yes. food? Why is there only yes. one aisle? Preach. One part of an aisle for health food. Um, and I even asked my mother, because at one point I was just like, I wonder what I'm allergic to naturally and things like that. My mother's from the Philippines. And she said they never had um, dairy, like they didn't have refrigeration much and, you know, they, they weren't into milking cat, like it just wasn't part of their lifestyle. So I kind of said, do I even really need it? I mean, it's nice for a little treat now and then, but how much do we really need these things that are kind of, you know, like, you, you know, the dairy farmers together that, that they have a lot of power and they can buy, you know, advertising and make it. I mean, even I remember at the time, not that I'm totally against dairy, but having it part of like a healthy meal, you know, that actually is not is not real for everyone. And the fact that it was part of the USDA kind of or, you know, the whatever. The food the pyramid. Yeah, food pyramid. It doesn't need to be in the food pyramid. <laughs> it can just be like a nice little side thing. But um, that's my my opinion. But, you know, you've never seen more. I had never seen more intense battles than when I was studying uh, holistic nutrition. Wow. When people and when you were talking before about um, with even uh, essential oils, Oh my mm -hmm. gosh, the, the, there was a huge battle with the, the essential oils, the different companies, and 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 people are. It comes from a good place that they really want us to be aware of where things are coming yeah. from and get the truth from it. But yes, some things when they when they expand into these battles, that might be something we kind of want to watch out for. If if our intention is really to help one another, you know, we we do what we can to help ourselves and one another. And um, I think we want to watch out for some of these unnecessary battles when that urge might be there more with so much of the Mars energy. It, well, and you know what comes to my mind too, which I'm seeing uh, a lot of talk around uh, just recently, and I could be coming late to the game, but um, diet culture and people really getting on diet culture and um, and the evil that is connected with, you know, just maintaining a certain frame or having to have this exercise and, and this movement towards intuitive eating, which I've been an intuitive eater all, all my life. Like that's how I, I didn't know, I guess I know other people eat in different ways, but that's how, that's how I go around things. Um, and so I'm just wondering if there's going to be more and more of like, because right, it's the diet, what we're ingesting, how we're taking care of the vessel, how we feel uh, within the food that we eat and how we embody that and, and, and the shame that is put on people for how their bodies look. I mean, I feel like Scorpio has a lot of shame around it, um, in many ways. And, and it could be, that could be a very Saturnian thing too. So I'm wondering if there's just going to be more of that kind of diet culture, uh, anti-diet culture narrative and getting back to more of an intuitive, um, sense of feeding, feeding ourselves and, and what we need. Yeah, like the feeding ourselves and nourishing ourselves. I mean, I I was surprised how I was, when we had a first lockdown, there were so many people saying like, no matter what you do, make sure you get your workout in, even if you have to just do push-ups in your house. Like, it's like, okay, now I understand it's good for cardiovascular, but like, 
it's like, is it really that? I mean, I gained over 20 pounds in these past couple of years. And you know what? I mean, yes, I want to watch like my health, but I kind of just, I almost felt like I had to do whatever it took for me to feel safe and good in my body. And maybe I also am looking back at some really unhealthy ways I've had of like, oh, I can't eat this or I can't eat that because what if I gain like a few pounds? Like, you know, I'm kind of like over that. I'm not trying to like look at, I'm not going to be in the Sports Illustrated um, swimsuit edition anytime soon. So I think I (laughs) I can gain a few pounds. And yeah, it's the shame of the, um, like, who, who do I need to look good for? You know, <laughs> really, I need to look good for myself. I need to yeah. take care of my own health. And, um, and that's my priority. And also, you know, our mental health and our emotional health and wellness, that should be and mental, emotional, and physical, they can all be tied. But yeah. when you're, when you're throwing a couple of throwing two of those away just to look good and, and claim it's physical health then that just doesn't hold water anymore. Yeah, I hear that. Well, that being said, uh, we've touched on a lot of things with the with the nodes here, but one thing we haven't really um, got into yet is just kind of, I'm going to list some of the previous points of history that uh, we had the North Node in Taurus and the South Node in uh, Scorpio. And I know uh, we were kind of looking at some charts of maybe a few public figures that might play in with this and just kind of giving some thoughts around that. Um, but the last passage of this transit uh, with North Node in Taurus uh, was in 2003 and 2004, actually, which was a crucial period um, for actually some tech coming up, which uh, we could we could talk about here, which changed us into a new normal. That's just, that's the thing I'm noticing about like Taurus North Node is like things are introduced that are going to be very like implemented, but we might not know it at the time. But as I think Georgia was pointing out earlier about the slow pace of, of Taurus and, and like how it unfolds. And so what comes in this next, you know, 17 months, uh, might not have like the acute energy that, you know, air and fire have, and it has more of a, you know, slow and steady. And then like 10 years now you're like, Oh my God, that what happened then was now like, oh, I really realize the effect of it. But 2003, 2004, uh, 1984 through 1986, um, 1966, 1977, 1947, 1949, and 1928 through 1930, which we all know here in the U.S. is the, you know, the stock, the big stock market crash and, and Black Friday. No, that's the day we shop. What was the, what was the stock market crash uh, called? Oh, why is it escaping me? Are you talking about 1928 to 1930? Was it 19? Yes. Yeah, 1929, the Great Depression. Was that where there was a day? And there, there was a day. day, and I don't think it was called Black Friday. I think I'm just brainwashed Street by shopping. <laughs> it was the Wall yeah. Street crash, but I don't know which day it was. It referred. was. It had like a, a catchphrase. Oh my God! There's going to be listeners right now yelling at it's that. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So. Think back at those times, if you were alive during those times, if you were born during these times, right? You know, because if you, I have a partner that was born with North Node uh, in Taurus, South Node in Scorpio. So a lot of you late 1984 babies through early 1986 might have these uh, these placements and you're coming to that very crucial time of the, the nodal return there. Um, 
But one of the things that comes to mind with the 2003, 2004, uh, and Christina and I have been talking a lot about uh, Mark Zuckerberg's chart, right? Um, and he brought, he created Facebook around that time, right? And he's a very Taurus Scorpio um, character. And he's just coming out. He had his nodal return, I think, uh, with uh, the, he has the North Node at the beginning of Gemini. And he's talking about the metaverse. Uh, and this new, this new reality that we're going into this new digital reality. And so, um, I figure we talked about maybe sharing his chart a little bit and seeing what, yeah. So let's, let me bring that up real quick. Um, it does feel like, uh, Facebook, it's just gotten so stale, you know, for the longest time. It, it, at first, it was this fun, kind of exciting new thing. Then it just became almost like a public utility, you know, like everybody yeah. had it. And now, you know, through, of course, there's been the controversies and things. And it's, and, and some people just cling on to because it's what we know, it's how we kind of stay connected to certain people. But I don't know, it just is feeling really stale. So I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that there is, a new, you know, anytime we have the, these, this whole nodal cycle with the nodal return that ushers in a new story in a person's destiny. And, um, I actually did, um, a review of, of some eclipses to his chart and things like that for the UK's astrological association for their latest conference. I think that was in, uh, I want to say November, October, November. Um, so if I can remember what I remembered was, when he first started, um, it was before he actually launched Facebook. He he launched another thing called um, it was something similar, but it was he basically stole all of the um, the photos for the student photos in when he was in Harvard, and he put on. It was supposed to be a joke, right? It was like some joke, like online. It was kind of like pre Facebook. And it was kind of like this online social media thing, but I don't think people gave their permission. So um, it got shut down by the school. And then he just retooled it and things like that. And so it took a few months and things like that. And then he launched the Facebook. But then within a few months, it really grew. And then by the time it got, it, it grew to all the sort of Ivy League schools. And at that Point where it grew to all the Ivy schools was there was another eclipse that was showing up to that other Facebook when, when Facebook was actually sort of like really launched in the world. Um, but it was interesting that that first attempt was kind of a failed attempt, but um, it kind of had that scorpionic kind of like, you know, like stealing stuff. <laughs> or not, not that Scorpio steals, but it was kind of like underhanded um, in, in its initial intention. But then I think you probably saw the potential of it and, and decided to grow it. What I've noticed from his chart was the eclipses or transits that actually hit his Venus were much more part of the storyline of his quote unquote legacy than eclipses to his sun or his nodes or anything like that, which is interesting because Venus rules his sun. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that to me has showed like, and he was born on a lunar eclipse. Um, so that, you know, so eclipses really tended to affect him. And I, it's it's interesting how someone born on a lunar eclipse, the lunar eclipses often really kind of, you know, are, are vibrant or vivid in their life. 
Yeah. And well, it makes sense that his Venus would be so activated in the chart being the ruler of his, his son there. Um, and you know, he's got Venus at 15 degrees of Taurus and later in this summer when the Uranus and the North node are dancing together around, uh, you know, those, those middle degrees of Taurus, I think his chart's going to be very activated. And especially once Saturn gets to that point, um, in, I think in April, uh, Saturn will get, yeah, mm. uh, in, in March, actually Saturn will be square his Venus there. So I think we're going to, you know, he wants to implement things, right. He, he has these, you know, you, you sign on to, uh, Instagram or Facebook and it's like powered by meta. And I'm like, what is this meta? Like, where, where is he, where is he trying to take this? Um, why not and like trying to go into this next world, right. And not really dealing with all the allegations and controversy around what's already been created and how it's changed, um, you know, the face of humanity and not only that, but also how people are using it, um, in ways to, uh, like connect very seedy, issues in certain parts of, of the world, like, or, or it's their only form of connection within governments that are oppressive. Like there's, there's so many things that are, <laughs> that are not being addressed with Facebook and it's trying to move into this new phase. And it's like, is it going to get there? Is it going to be able to re reestablish? You know, I think about that with Taurus energy, like we're, we establish with Taurus and if, as we have eclipses that go through, like, well, what are we reestablishing? Um, how sturdy is it? Is it built to last? will fall apart when we get to the eclipses and Scorpio there for him. Yeah. I don't know. And but. also the other thing with his um, Venus also has been tied to his net worth too, because I think there was a, an eclipse on his Venus that, um, that showed a real drop in his net net worth. I think the last eclipses that were mm. around that time. And so he's got Venus opposite Saturn. So then that Saturn will essentially be creating a T square. Right. And so him being he's one of the richest men in the world right now, right? Or the youngest, one of the youngest billionaires or something like that. And um, I don't know, it could be, with Saturn, it, you know, it's always hard to tell. Sometimes like it can bring rewards. Usually there has to be, there's a struggle at first or a delay or a, or a blockage or something. Um, and maybe it is this shifting in some ways, you know, I mean, his net worth is tied to a lot going on. It in is metaverse. So yeah, I would be looking at, you know, maybe he's, um, the stock prices aren't what they were, aren't as robust. Maybe they're, he's having to work harder to, to build sort of the, the infrastructure for this, this new iteration, so I'd be looking at those things. Yeah. Well, I guess it helps that he has Venus in domicile. That's for sure. Um, Georgia, you have any thoughts on uh, old Zuckerberg here? <laughs> yeah. No. I was. I was especially after you were you you mentioned just how how long um, Mark Zuckerberg has actually been sort of getting away, skimming through and over a lot of the huge controversies around the nature of Facebook and how you know the way that Facebook runs and operates has influenced the entire terrain of social um, networking and like the social dilemma that documentary on the net on Netflix really brought a lot of those issues to light and to the, to the conversation and, and younger generations who of course, like social 
media is modeled around we are like the prime you know the the prime markets for it i even think of the pluto and sagittarius generation i have the 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 younger sister of my boyfriend you know she wrote about that for her piece at college and we did this we had such fascinating conversations they are not they're awake and aware of these conversations. Absolutely every part of their lives, unfortunately, is now embedded into social networking in so many ways. However, they're not, um, they're, they're aware of these really darker dynamics. So it kind of does bring you into the Scorpio. What lies beneath the surface? What, for example, like you said, um, um, Christina, you know, he is like one of, you know, set records, one of the youngest billion zillionaires you know, super Taurus over kind of distorted Taurus really in so many a way, which, because you really think about the intention of Facebook, the original intention. If you watch the social network, that film, you see that the intention of Facebook wasn't actually to better humanity and to, you know, that wasn't like the, that, you know, it wasn't Aquarian in nature in so many ways, or or kind of, you know, some of the most beautiful uniting aspects of it has had that effect. Absolutely. But it seems that it more utilized, manipulated some of those um, desires of humanity to be connected in order to what? To make money, Taurus, right? To line yeah. their pockets. You know, if you watch that film, it was all about monetizing, um, eventually getting to a point where, I mean, Mark Zuckerberg held back from it for a while, but then he wanted to, it was about monetizing. It was about adverts. So it was about money. And I think that, you know, Taurus is about the long-term and the sustainable. It is about what really lasts through the ages. You know, I think about the Ponamu, the the, the jade that I wear on me. You know, I am not wearing this jade. This jade is wearing me. Like this will last (laughs) millennium. Well, that's what I was taught by the Maori, the Maori man that that carved it for me, Takaha. Like we are, we're here for a second. We have to think about what is not just like, you know, the the next quarterly profits, but the next seven generations. And Facebook is not, a, I don't believe as a company that has done that, you know, so much of social media was, was created very quickly and has had incredible mammoth effects on humanity. And now it's like, okay, Taurus is like, slow down, slow down. What are we actually doing here to our earth? to each other, to the future of humanity. And I don't think, I think that it's very interesting because I think, you know, I think about the fact that there's this need, this imperative need to, to really descend, to get still, to slow down. And this descent, I I just want to make this, if, if you don't mind, just quickly quote here, Richard Tarnas. Um, this was really life-changing for me. And I'm it's just because I'm thinking the way that Richard Tarnas speaks to the necessary descent that humanity needs to make and how actually these eclipses are hitting Mark Zuckerberg's chart. For example, in the one in... Um, I see here in at two, the one that's going to be at two degrees of Scorpio, um, the solar eclipse with conjunct Venus, that will be right on his Pluto, right? Like this absolute, this, this, you know, this necessary descent to a soul level. So much of our values of what we put out into the world of what we create is so surface level and so much more short-term and immediate. And um, like, I just think, so I just, this quick quote, if I, if I could share this, is that um, it, it was this talk that changed my life and it was called The Humanity's Rite of Passage, that 
Richard Tarnas gave in 2015. I actually watched it around the same time I read Deep Adaptation. So just kind of really, really plummeted me into the Scorpio Olympic realms, but it's an incredible, incredible talk. And he actually quotes this man called Yurik Cousins, who said that now the consciousness of the 21st century will be global from two perspectives. One, from a horizontal perspective, The cultures and religions are meeting each other on the surface of the globe, entering into creative encounters that will produce a complexified collective consciousness. And in so many ways, I think about the recent Gemini Sag um, uh, transit of the nodes with that, but also Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook absolutely has created this kind of global network, right? But also... It is uh, the, the the consciousness is is shifting into a vertical perspective. We must plunge our roots deep into the earth in order to provide a stable and secure base for future development. I mean, what is the metaverse really creating here? Aren't we just we, this? We could literally just further disembody, disembed ourselves from the realities of our earth. We would just, we could potentially just be hurtling ourselves further and further off of the cliff face because we are just, do you see what I'm saying? We're becoming oh, yeah. more and more oh, yeah. disembodied, more and more disconnected. These are the massive dangers of, of, of the metaverse and just you know, growing, growing Mark Zuckerberg's bank account for the sake of growing Mark Zuckerberg's bank account. <laughs> no, it has to be about more than that. I know. So yeah, I'm just, I'm interested that. in that scorpionic you know, reckoning. What that's kind of making me think of is, you know, during the nodes in Gemini, Sagittarius, I think of like Sagittarius, the South node is like everyone's opinion, you know, it's like no matter how much you have the data and facts about, say, for instance, climate change, there's, you can Google something that'll say climate change is not real, you know, <laughs> like there's always, there's going to be something out there with someone with some kind of opinion or argument. And okay, yes, we want to have a balance, blah, blah, blah. But sometimes there is truths, like you said, that we will only know when we are connected to the earth, when we're actually looking outside, when we're actually being aware of what's happening to the earth, rather than just a constant online, I'm right, you know, you're wrong. Oh, here's a YouTube video to show that I'm right. You know, like it's ridiculous. And I'm noticing that, um, yeah, with the South node coming to his um, Saturn, you know, even for a temporary period, that can that can drain one of their um, of their authority, authority in some yeah. ways. Um, that yeah. So thank you for bringing that that eclipse up because that on and an eclipse on a person's Pluto. You know, as we know, these outer planets sometimes they're you know they're generational, but they can also be in some ways very personal to to a person's life to their tra- trajectory. Yeah. Well, we think about the collective there and if the collective wants change and they're pushing things or want to bring up, uh, you know, the seedy underbelly of what's been happening and want to like purify the energy, like it can change his life completely because the collective is asking for it. And so that could definitely play a role there. Um, and to speak to what Georgia was saying earlier about like getting back to the earth and what are we rooting and where's all this taking us. And this might be the dynamic that we're trying to really sort out as we get into this air age, right? Because we just had a Jupiter-Saturn conjunction in Aquarius. We're entering in this, you know, couple hundred year period where we have these uh, cultural shifts in air energy. And so this is fresh territory for us. And we've been dancing in between what technology is going to bring and this virtual reality and getting farther 
closer and farther away from each other and sharing ideas like we are in like this digital space. Um, but where does that leave us with our connection to earth? And so the, you know, this time period with these eclipses could bring out some very important questions that are, are really just a precursor to a much larger story and situation of like, what's this next 200 years going to look like? And, you know, when we're at the outset of it, we're obviously creating framework around what that looks like. So that's, these times are super important. And, um, I mean, and one of the other things that happened uh, in 2003 and 2004 with Google, uh, that Google was coming up as a company at that time too. And everyone was, everyone was asking, when is Google going to go public? How do we get shares of this company that people saw was going to be massive? And, and they didn't want to do the stock market the original, like the usual way. They like, they went about it a totally different avenue to uh, have people invest in their company um, and look at, and they ended up doing it actually uh, when the nodes moved to Libra and Aries, but all the conversation around it was during the Taurus Scorpio period. And look at Google today. Google is, it's just like massive, just as big as Facebook, bit bigger. Um, you know, we have like, they own so much. Um, and that was a starting point for them to really build their wealth in the community space and stocks too. So like, so I'm very curious to see really what, um, what new foundational structures aside from Facebook and Google, what's being birthed now, or what is getting off the ground now? Because they could be the next Facebook or Google, like, you know, with what's going, I don't know. So that, that was fascinating to me here too, but big questions, right? <laughs> I like what you say about this, um, uh, eclipse touching Zuckerberg's Pluto. And then it could be, you know, the CD underbelly kind of coming to light because, you know, the damage of, um, Facebook, not, monitoring some more damaging messages, you know, I mean, think about how many, and also the young kids being bullied, being bullied to the point of suicide, you know, um, things like that. And, and Facebook not doing enough to prevent, um, a lot of this, this damaging thing because maybe, oh, there weren't laws telling them they had to, so they didn't have to. And that kind of thing, it's no longer okay. Mm. It's like, you know, you have a response with great power, you have respo great responsibility. True. And so maybe we'll see how much, you know, Zuckerberg or whoever has lived up to that. Yeah, absolutely. So um, that being said, well, we are wrap. We are getting to our almost two hour mark here, and I kind of want to do like uh, a little conclusion of kind of the things we've talked about, or what we all extracted most out of this today, or uh, just like you know, I, I always, I love speaking keywords. Maybe it's a simplicity of Taurus. <laughs> Let's finite this. But, um, I mean, Georgia, what do you, uh, what are the few takeaways of, you know, what we've talked about, what you think this whole transit will be some of those keywords, what to lean into? Yeah. I, well, I, I love, I mean, trust, um, a group of scorpionic souls to, to really find the, the gem in the muck of it all, you know, like we are, I feel like a lot of, I am, I'm sure, um, you know, the South node in Scorpio, it really, it feels to me even as, you know, super scorpionic, but I, it's a daunting, transit. It's intimidating for sure. You know, Scorpio is already anything going through Scorpio. It's about, it's about death. It's about loss. It's about 
things ending and then you have the south node there which is a point of of release of ending some to some to some degree of draining and if you just it's it is a daunting and intimidating transit and yet as Scorpio souls we're like okay yeah but we've been through the darkness we've been through the tunnels and we know what the the powerful the powerful um the, the, the gems and the beauty, the Torian Garden of Eden that comes out of the muck. I think of, you know, talk about simplicity is Thich Khan's um, quote, no mud, no lotus. That has been on my mind the last couple of days, mm-hmm. right? Mud is Scorpio. Lotus is Taurus. And I do, I think that, you know, with this, you know, we are everything that we can possibly speak about, about this transit. We are very much aware that a lot is going to be coming up from beneath the surface. Things that are scorpionically, they are taboo. They are the most uncomfortable things we could face. They are scary. They will create, you know, there will be fear. There will be a revisiting of trauma on some levels. You know, it's going to be difficult content. But I think what is most important is that we, well, what's most important is to know that the only way out is through. We cannot, we cannot skip over that process. You know, in evolutionary astrology, there's this, that we, there's this talk of the evolutionary imperative. Evolution has to happen. The only constant is evolution. And we create far more suffering by resisting that. We need to somehow lean into it and go through it. But it is to know, you know, all all planets, they go through points, they go through Scorpio, but they don't just die there and end there. They come out on the other side. This is why I always say Sagittarius for me feels like the most optimistic sign of the zodiac. (laughs) It's like, oh my God, I thought it was all over. No, 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 it's not. Like life goes on. It goes on. And that's just going to keep our eye on the prize. Like my Taurus moon is just like, right, Uranus and Taurus. Like we are heading for the more beautiful world our hearts know is possible. I believe that in my heart and I do believe it's going to get rough before it gets better, but that's how you create a gem is you put it in a tumbler and you chuck it around and that beautiful, refined, shiny gem comes out of it. And it's, it's going to be tough, but I, I think I I'm excited for how our vision of the new earth and that garden of Eden that we see how that's going to become more and more clear and that we can really excitingly put our focus on that, what that, that future is going to look like for us, where we're clo- more closely connected to the earth and to each other. Mm, yeah. I love that. I support that reality for sure. <laughs> oh my goodness. Christina, what, uh, what are your takeaways that are our, our reverse nodal baby here uh, with this? I feel like you have an innate wisdom around this zone. Well, I couldn't have said it better than what Georgia just shared with us um, because I was thinking the whole thing about, you know, again, the only way through is to really go through, you know, like what did Churchill say? If you're going through hell, keep going, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you certainly don't want to stop there and have like a picnic. You <laughs> need to keep going because that is part <laughs> of the path. And um, and we may be at times feel plunged into, you know, the the dark, uh, the dark night of the soul as if, you know, we think, oh, well, we've already been through that. But I feel like the past couple of years has been this just trying to get through it, almost not even fully contemplating or processing what we're going through because we just have to keep going through it. Um, I think some of the gifts of, say, Jupiter and, and Pisces, and then we'll have all this whole Pisces stellium coming up this spring, 
is maybe we can then process, you know, the grief, the sorrow mm -hmm. and, and the escapism and the, um, the feeling of this moment that we're really in and what we've actually been through. My hope is that with the South Node in, in Scorpio, maybe we will find a new way of engaging with death. And also because there have been so many yeah. souls that have passed that haven't had the, you know, the benefit of the actual rituals, you know, of yeah. funerals and, and, and family gatherings around that. Maybe there's some way that can be that can be honored and sort of even made up for in a way. Maybe we can come to terms with the fact that we've all been having to face our own mortality. So in some ways, it's been beautiful. People have been more creative. They've been more compassionate. They've been more aware and awake than ever before. But in other ways, it can also bring out, you know, when we're really fighting for survival, it can bring out the worst of our shadow. Um so um, I love that what everyone here has touched on is the transformative power of Scorpio. We have to be drawn into the Scorpio realm in order to, you know, find, sort of sift through all of the muck, you know, and find our way back to a sense of, of connection to the earth and connection with our, our true values that we really want to leave as our legacy. And I love how with um, Georgia, she's like talking about connection to the earth and, and it's, it's almost like the plants or it's like coming alive. Like, I don't know, those of you that aren't watching the video. It's like shaking the table. So it's like, I've, I've got restless leg syndrome yet. This plant next to me is like, looks to be alive. Yeah. Oh. There's actually, I did want to say one thing. There's a, a really... I think a really beautiful series on HBO called Station Eleven that, um, you know, of course, it's everyone's talking about the Don't Look Up, which is definitely worth watching. But the Station Eleven, it takes that to, it takes the whole sort of climate crisis, you know, Armageddon end of the world. Uh, it has another tone. It kind of almost goes through it. Like what happens when the world does end? There's a pandemic and lots of people die. And then, but humanity still survives. And what does it look like? And it follows basically like sort of a traveling like theater troupe that, you know, it's like, it shows like what is really valuable to humanity. And in, in this particular narrative, it's art, it's music, you know, theater, like, you know, the, the great theater from Shakespeare, <laughs> things like that, that lasts the test of time. And it's kind of quirky and, and strange in some ways, but there, it shows you that, yes, the nightmare, what if the nightmare were to happen? And, and even some people survive, how would they cobble together a sense of humanity? And, and to, to me, that was just very heartwarming to see that humanity could still survive if we know what it is that that is the essence of our humanity. And personally, mm. I love things like art. You know, astrology is a great art as well. And anything that has, you know, human creativity um, behind it, I think that can sustain us. Yeah, absolutely. It it makes me think of um, just the the plight of the artist to begin with, and how much emotional content and and at times trauma come up into really beautiful art um, that is created, and and the two go hand in hand. You know, when we think about the the emotional watery self and and the gifts of the soul into manifest reality, which is what the artist does, right? It gives us something tangible to uh, see, to touch, to listen to, you know, to hear. Um, 
And I, I, I love everybody's points and it just brings me back to the real simplicity of one of the things that Taurus is known for is peace, right? A, 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 not a peace in the sense of Libra where we're, we're at peace with a, a disagreement, we're at peace with countries, et cetera. We're at peace with ourselves and to be at peace with yourself, you can't overlook trauma. You can't overlook the undercurrents that are there that are, might be trying to be submerged or sub, you know, pushed down. And, and we've been through a lot of trauma. I mean, in our lifetimes, different levels of trauma for different people last couple of years, definitely. So like to speak to what you're just saying, Christina, about like not even being able to have the time or the space to honor the mass death that has gone on, you know, and we all want to get to that place of peace. We all want to get to that place of stability. That could be a very personal thing. It doesn't have to be outer. You know, we're talking about receptive energies and, and, uh, of Taurus and Scorpio. So it, it's like that inside job that we talk about. Um, and I think that this whole transit if we have to, you know, if the only way out is through that, that Scorpio component is trying to push us to peace within ourselves. Um, and that is, that is one of the most valuable things in my mind to existence is being at peace with yourself and being at peace with where you're at and being at peace with where you're going. Um, and you can't ignore everything that is not to say that people are trying. Like, I think a lot of people are working at it right now. We're, we're like very aware in the sense that we like, I just want to get to this place. What do I have to do? What do I have to feel? What do I have to talk about? What, I, what therapy do I have to do? What do I have to bring up? <laughs> you know? Um, and I think that that's the benefit of this and the benefit of Uranus being in Taurus during this whole thing is um, just giving us the awakenings we need in that evolutionary, uh, you know, step-by-step process to get us to that place. And of course it's not going to be there forever. Uh, you know, it's something that we constantly have to work at or, or assess within ourselves. But, um, I think that peace component, you know, the inner peace is one of the, one of the big pieces of, uh, of this nodal shift in my mind. So, all right, ladies, thank you. The, uh, everybody, I loved everybody, what everybody had to share. I mean, everybody had such poignant points. And I don't know, I really, this could be speaking to the Taurus, no, but I really felt a lot of the things that people were saying, like words would come out and there'd be like tactile senses and, and, and goosebumps and just like taking those words, um, into a very, you know, the body was feeling them. Uh, so I That's feel the thing. shift from like information overload, yeah. like we got to like learn what's going on in this new world. And then now is the processing of that and the experiencing. And so thank you for giving us this opportunity to, um, to share with one another. And I've learned so much and, um, you all are so dear to me and I just, I'm just so happy to, to have shared this time with you. Yay. So, well, me too. I'm glad I could host. Um, but before we go here, we got to share with the folks, where can people find you? Christina, where can people find you? What do you got going on? Um, I'm at radiantastrology.com and, uh, 
I don't know. It's TBD <laughs> to be determined what I got going on, but <laughs> sign up for my free newsletter. Um, that way you get, I'm actually kind of, um, kind of almost like how Shireen is sort of drawing back a little bit, getting more into my essence. Um, so my, I, you know, I always share about the new moon and full moons and eclipses are really where my heart is when it comes to astrology. Um, I feel like this year, my writings are going to be more intimate, personal, maybe more focused on sort of how to, how the astrology can help us to understand ourselves, to understand what's important to us. And that's really kind of where I'm going rather than just from the, you know, just the general, oh, this is what this new moon means. I feel like I want to get to sort of like the conversation we had today, like, you know, what, how can we process this? And maybe it might not be sort of the macro version of it, but, but something that comes from me, from my heart that is meant to resonate with people on whatever, you know, where their path is, that's where they're, wherever their path is leading them at the moment. So yeah. Tap into that Leo. We were talking about that earlier, you know, that sad. is the heart, right? Oh my but gosh, hey, but you're, gone. Hey, you're Capricorn <laughs> with Capricorn rising, you know, work that Saturn and Leo, you show us, you show us how to Leo. Um, <laughs> I love it, Christina. Uh, Georgia, where where can people find you? What do you have going on? Yeah, um, so I'm at georgiatakax.com. Um, that's T-A-K-A-C-S uh, dot com. And I have my uh, newsletter too. Um, and you can subscribe there on my website. And um, and as I said, I provide one-to-one um, astrology consultations. And there's all the information on my website and how I offer those readings in the gift and how in the gift works and the, the thought behind it, the intention behind it, if it's something that's new to you. Um, and and, and yeah, it's very similar to Christina, actually, to that Leo. I, this this nodal axis is shifted, is going to be square. Well, first of all, I've got right now, I've got the south node on my sun at 28 degrees of Scorpio. So I feel that Leo energy coming up. You know, I do have Chiron and Leo and this this uh, nodal transit is going to be squaring that too. And um, I find, you know, for so many years, I have been told I, I actually have, well increasingly so I feel more comfortable in front of the camera and I want to embrace that and so I feel really pulled and drawn towards finally this year taking the leap to doing some YouTube video series um there's so much that I'd love to talk about and love to share and that's you know as soon as I get into spaces like this with you guys and there's such beautiful thought-provoking questions and and conversation starters and I just can't you know, I just want to talk, talk, talk and, and share, share, share and, and engage, engage, engage in conversation. You know me. Hello. You got you both. You women know me well by now. <laughs> um, and um, again, that's why I love being in this familiar, familiar territory with you guys, because I really uh, open up. But absolutely, I, I that's going to be a little bit of a, a leap and a change for me. So YouTube's my next little stop, but that will all be accessible and I'll like keep up to date uh, everyone via my newsletter. Um, and also I'm on Instagram too. So at Georgia Tacax, I'm present there as well. Wonderful. And I, you know, I always share everybody's information. We'll share Shireen's as well. If, uh, if people didn't get in the mid broadcast when she had to, uh, leave us for deep sleep. Um, <laughs> so definitely check either the description where you're listening to this podcast, or you can visit me over at energeticprinciples.com, which, uh, I have a new website. I'd redid my whole website and it's officially up the last, uh, the last broadcast I had issues in the whole, uh, server, um, that does the DNS files 
cycles just went down during the full moon in um in Capricorn with the Pluto component. And I was literally at first I thought it was me. I was like, I redid the whole thing and I was like, what? Did I do something wrong? Did it like no, but it wasn't. It was a it was a whole corporate, like everybody's website is down, my website, my email, the whole thing. But it worked out, got it to the other side of the full moon. Everything was fine. So if you want to go check out to that new space that I have created, once again, that's energeticprinciples.com. And you can also find me on Instagram and there will be a blog post with our nodal panel here uh, as well. Um, And if you, I do have a newsletter. We all have fabulous newsletters. So be sure to sign up to get it to your inbox, but I'll have uh, the February edition of the heavenly wind hitting inboxes here. at the beginning of February. So check that out. Um, And if you enjoyed our broadcast here today, uh, spread the good word, share it with a friend, let people know what's happening in the skies and all this nodal energy that is shifting. Uh, If you'd be so kind to leave a review where you listen to this podcast, it helps it to be further seen in the uh, good old algorithm. Um, And yeah, it's, uh, I'm very excited about this whole shift. I'm excited that I got to share this time with you ladies and really flesh it out, which seems very Taurus in many (laughs) regards. Uh, So I thank you both for joining me here today. Thank you, Melissa. Thank you you so much for inviting me and having me as a part of this. And I love you women, you know that. And um, it was beautiful, beautiful conversation. Absolutely. I'm very grateful. Very feeling the Venus, feeling the Venus. And I'm so grateful for all of you who have tuned in to listen to us talk all about the nodal access in Taurus and Scorpio. We wish you the best of luck. Be sure to look at those areas in your chart because that's going to be the juicy astrology for the next 17 months. So we wish you the best of luck through these transits. And as always, may the stars be with you. Mm-hmm.